Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochilillo. Welcome, everyone, to an episode of Everything Imaginable. This is my 100th episode, and I have a whole bunch of my favorite guests here. We have Angie Byers, Justin Otto, um, Pepper from the Rushmore podcast, Shannon Wilson, Adam Lipe, and Jared. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. All right. And uh, just, just to let you know, this is actually, I didn't really tell I just dropped my mic. This is actually not my 100th episode. This is my 91st episode. So is that why the premature mic drop? You know, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm using the electoral, the electoral college to count my episodes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. so so thanks for coming on guys yeah man so so uh everyone just sort of um uh you guys can go in any order just kind of introduce yourselves to my audience hey my name is pepper uh host rush from my podcast it's the biggest podcast in the state of mississippi as far as we know <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if my episode was the biggest one in Alabama. Probably. I don't see why not. <laughs> Justin said that he's got the, the biggest uh, podcast, at least five block radius of him. So it's pretty impressive. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not hundred percent on those numbers. I may be wrong. Well, I'm Lippy. I'm the writer, producer, director of wait, wait, don't kill me horror comedy uh, about a viral pandemic. It's out right now. And uh, I think I've been on Gary's show more than anybody else here, probably, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I think we have three, Jared, three times. Jared Murphy's here. Jared has been on like maybe four times. Oh, okay. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I've been I'm, twice. Am I the only one to co-host a show, though? Um, you, you are the only one to co-host, but I have um, Shannon is going to help me co-host some episodes with actors also because I don't know how to deal with actors. I will. I will agree. With he, I'm agreeing with with what Gary said there. That he does not know how to deal with actors. <laughs> Gary, I have one request. If you ever need a co-host for a life coach episode, I got to be on there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got about 65 of those life coach episodes lined up. <laughs> I'm terrified to uh, jump in and step on anybody this is uh, yeah me too well i'm angie bryce oh i'm angie bryce i'm from canberra i've got a podcast called um out of your mind with angie bryce and it's obes ndes and anything that's sort of ex-body beyond the veil and i love it and the guy who thought of that name is a genius yeah right yeah and the voiceover at the front and end is on here too yeah, she does my uh, intro. Mm. And Greg Bornstein does my intro. Yeah, there what's is. up, everybody? How are you? How are oh, you? Oh, there he is. Oh, oh dude, Gary. where's your beard? Dude, happy, forget that. Happy 100th episode, man. Actually, it's not my 100th episode. I lied. 
What? Yeah, so I feel like we're, we're all tricked this is here. This my 91st episode. I'm using the Electoral College to, to count my episodes. Some, Gary's going to try to sell us on some multi-level marketing thing right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, what is this crap? It's Amway. Yeah. Hey, Greg, did your mom make you stay at the table to finish your dinner before you come or what? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, uh, look, living with your parents because of quarantine feels like an okay excuse, right? Like, is that? No. It's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, man. Wait, so this is your, wait, is it really your night? Did you really just troll us? All of us? Yeah. Every single one. <laughs> Why do, not? Do you have a funnier troll you could do then? I mean, this is not a... I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's not that elaborate. I mean, you just, you just told a... A uh, 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 banal lie. Come on, something bigger, yeah. Gary. <laughs> no, uh, I wouldn't tell a lie. I certainly well, wouldn't I got lie. Told we're all doing shots. I, I, I wouldn't lie about how many kids I have. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, it wouldn't lie about some random. Yeah, he had us believing he had five five kids for about what a month and a half until the middle of a podcast. You, you said, "No, nah, I've got none." <laughs> and we saw you in a whole different light. Like before that, we was like, yeah, poor dude. He's, he's just a dad of five kids. Well, I used, I used to then, do that. Then there was just nothing. We couldn't forgive you for anything. Man, when I, when I, when I used to work at a, when I worked at Comcast, I used to tell them I had five kids. So like that way, if I wanted to go home, I could just say one of my kids were sick or I had to go somewhere or whatever. And, and then uh, my mom had passed away. My boss brought my whole team to my mom's funeral. And they're like, where? And they're like, where's your kids? And my wife looks at me like, what are they talking about, kids? And I was like, oh, I, I kind of made that up. <laughs> Did you lose your job? Uh, no. Why am, I, why am I the only one that thinks that's funny? <laughs> I, don't, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get to take off of work whenever you want if you have kids. Exactly. I think yeah. everybody, everybody here that's not laughing at probably has kids. <laughs> I, think <that's, laughs> I think that's the rub on this one. I don't have kids. So I don't have kids, so it's funny to me. I, I was always funny. afraid to have them. Oh, not me, not me. I, I had cancer as a child, so I can't have children. Best thing that ever happened to me. It's a weird <laughs> brag, dude. Yeah, weird flex weird flex <laughs> you can i mean i have no children but i have nine children you could do it that way i was a sperm oh. donor in college oh there you go oh that's wow. cool uh, and uh, I, I grew up in new york and and you can you can have one guess to where the funniest place you can have you can do that in um what would be the funniest most phallic place you could donate sperm in Florida? In New York City. Oh. The Empire State Building. Empire State you are correct. Is the 71st floor of the Empire State Building. And they have absolutely no sense of humor about it whatsoever. It's my <laughs> third favorite floor on the Empire State Building. <laughs> How did you determine that number? What's, you know. what's, what, what's number one and for what reason? I can't r reveal everything, you know? You got to leave some mystery somewhere. Well, then why is the other one third? Hey man, what are you the FBI? What's up? Come on. I was disappointed with Gary's kind of banal lie about tricking us into showing up. I want everyone to come up with better lies. That's all. <laughs> oh, Adam ah, CIA over here. 
Come on, man. Wait, Gary, you also said you had a plan for this episode. Like, like, was this it? You missed. Uh, he he already plan? he already did a mic drop, so he of missed that part. Of course, <laughs> that was the whole. Dude, of course, I have a plan. He he did a mic drop before he told us it wasn't his hundredth episode. <laughs> Very original. <laughs> Not after. <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> How many more minutes? This thing going? I don't know. Maybe a couple hours. Why not, man? Maybe you could do a Shakespeare uh, monologue. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Anybody who's been on Gary's show, he, has he made you do stunts for him? I don't think so. I heard the rest I think of you. He's too scared to ask me. <laughs> no, I, I asked you to, to um, talk to Bubba for me. Yeah. And did I? Uh, I don't know. He bit me right afterwards. <laughs> so, I thought he was going to shit on the couch. There you go. He didn't listen. No, he, he pees on the couch. <laughs> he likes to he, he likes to poo outside and roll around in it. Oh gosh! Yeah, yeah. He's a good dog. Up there for training. So wait, what is going to be the 100th episode? If well, this, we're doing, is, this is it, man. We're, we're just do, do whatever we want, man. <laughs> like maybe, um, I don't know, you guys could hypnotize each other or something. <laughs> Savannah hasn't introduced herself yet. Me? Yeah. Shannon. Oh, sorry. I like the name Savannah. I always wanted that as my name. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, you're psychic. Don't answer to that. I'm very jealous of your large microphones that you guys all have. It's <laughs> pretty sick. I got a bunch. I don't actually. have one. Hmm? Yeah, show, show them off. What do you got nice. I Jared, have a Houston Jared Oilers football. I could use as a microphone. <laughs> that That's work? like an antique at this point. Yeah, it's a Bum Phillips. Phillips. Bum Phillips. Oh, there you go. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Shannon. I met Gary. When did we meet Gary? Last week? Yeah. 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 In fact, she was an, an, an actress. I didn't know how to interview her, so we just talked about rock concerts for an hour and a half. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we had a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I found it really weird when I found out Gary was like in the 90s punk scene in New York. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't really give off that vibe initially. Yeah, you don't look like what I thought you would look like. Yeah. Oh, well. Have you seen the photo of him with the long hair? No. Put it up, Gary. Yeah, we no, should screenshot. I don't know how to put sure. it up. It's not on my computer. It's on my Facebook. Oh, come on. I put it in the chat, and then yeah, someone it, will share it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody could probably know. find it. Maybe I could find it on my phone. <laughs> if they wanted to look. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's a decent jump, Shannon. You got into. You just met Gary a week ago. He was selling me a timeshare. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes perfect sense. And I'm the spokesperson for the. <laughs> That's why you're all here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not selling anything, man. I'm a, I'm a terrible salesperson. Yeah, I can't well, find. How are you a scalper? Yeah. Oh, wait. Here's the picture. I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Oh, my glasses. Whoa, he had nice hair. Cool. 
When was that taken? Uh, last year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Six <Nice>. hours ago. <laughs> 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 I'm going to have to guess that was probably maybe 15 years ago. I don't know. I, I lose track of time. Like today, I lost a couple hours. Yeah. You know, I was sitting on a couch, and I don't know what happened. Uh, alien abduction, obviously. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, really. Obviously. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you didn't look much different, I don't think. You also may have hit a dimensional doorway. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and speaking of that, we also have Jared Murphy here. Jerry, you hear me? Yeah, yeah. All right. Best Introduce yourself, man. Oh, so I wrote, it's not aliens worse. It's us discovering our lost history. And uh, I, got, I spent a month right before we went to publication. It took four years to write, uh, including the editing time with my publisher, Olaf Phillips from Paranoia Podcast and uh, Anomalies Press in California. Um, I spent January right before we published in South Africa at Michael Tellinger's Stone Circle doing a month of research and climbing. I also climb and, and then the book came out and then, yeah, I've been on Gary's show once a month. I just uh, did the Fringe Fest FM last weekend. Uh, I was, so I'm, I'm on a lot of shows every week. I do some interviewing. So I've, I'm friends and actually just uh, neighbors with uh, Scott, uh, Walter from America Unearthed, and I've been doing a uh, like last weekend was um, I did Hoagland, and I was on Freeman TV Saturday, and then Fringe Fest Saturday day, and so it's been a cycle of me just doing a lot of interviews. And Gary and I hit it off, and for his ninety first episode, here we are. <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, you guys so, ever get, read a book, man? Oh, his book is awesome. Uh, thanks. Yeah. So the, I think maybe Gary took that moment because the premise of my book was I was going to write, I, I've always done research, but I start to write a fictional story. And the next thing I know, uh, it was going to be about ancient mummies. And of course the Paracas come up and they're nine, they're up to 9,000 years old in Peru. And I thought, okay, well that's interesting. But then somebody brings up engineered soil and I'm like, okay, well, what's that? And uh, four years of research later, there's like super engineered soil all over the earth. And it led me down a road to realize that probably all the ancient megalithic structures and what we find around the planet, right down to abilities genetically, like, uh, like Wim Hof, like the Iceman. And I practice that, but the idea of uh, engineered soil ties into our genetic sleeping, like safe mode abilities right now. And it just turns into uh uh, basically a very 333 page book about uh, how you can actively reactivate those abilities at the same time realizing that the UFOs and aliens everybody sees are probably just ancient advanced humans that made it through a couple different uh, catastrophes and so what we're mistaking is aliens because it's always easier like if we find an iPhone from 5,000 years ago well somebody must have dropped it on interstellar space travel time but so it's a big subject. And uh, so we got off on one interview with Gary and then, it, you know, you get into more in depth cause you can go down a million different roads if you're not just, you know, it's a big subject. So 
Oh, what's everyone else do? <laughs> yeah, they, I think this dude just summed up 91 episodes. I think this was 91 episodes of podcast summed up in three sentences. Yeah. This was <laughs> Gary's entire That's, run. That's actually super cool. I've got about 30 questions on the tip of my tongue, and I'm like, ah. Oh. So Jared, um, question: Is Trump the disclosure president? What is your thought thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, every single president, like when we get into, oh, so we're all well aware. Just I'm throwing the disclo- uh, the disclaimer out there. We're all well aware that the gray state that runs all this has nothing to do with. Like we're discussing the WWF right now. And did you want Hulk Hogan to win yep. or the Road Warriors? Yep. You know, so the this level of I, every single time a president says they're going to disclose, they get into office and then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they don't say anything. Cause I, I, I mean, we all know that they end up in Antarctica, right? We all know that Obama, right. Buzz Aldrin, you know, all, everybody ends up in for some reason in Antarctica for a meeting within a month. So, you know, like there's lots of areas, you know, uh, the snapshot Ooh. of our globe, like when you think of Doggerland, which is when Scotland all the way to, Eng- you know, all from England to France, it was all one big area, but the entire globe looked very differently. Uh, even 6,000, 7,000 years ago, we have millions of square miles and just like acting and just like uh, being on stage, you know, you're telling the play from the front row versus the back row versus the, why don't you go sit a hundred miles outside of the theater and tell me what you see. And we have all this land that's underwater that, is really the full snapshot whether you're thinking the flood or where we're at so i don't know it's just a lot of like you said there's a lot of different um uh whether it's our president or the like the disclosure from canada the long and short of it is everyone wants to tie the word alien in faster than they want to go that's the title of my book Uh, richard and i were talking and we're like i think your title's great but you should take out the word worse and then the very next sentence was, well, it sure does suck that they don't like re- introduce themselves to us or, and I'm like, yeah, that's the part. It's worse. It's us. Who can think of an advanced portion of humanity not giving a shit? And then, oh, wait, we have 150 tribes on earth and we let them live in the jungle. We don't bring them Jeeps and cell phones, right? Yeah. So there's some of the dialogue on this whole situation. And then we mislabel things like, uh, you know, uh, paranormal or again ufo we we have abilities that we either spiritualize or uh, or we don't realize our actual physical abilities like wim hof like consciously controlling your immune system and i live in minnesota so it's real easy to get cold water in fact i live in minneapolis so it's very easy to be able to do the breathing and to be able to learn how to consciously control your inflammatory response. And we're like, oh, that's like superhuman. It's like, no, we forgot we can do that. And then there are times like genetic memory. I don't know, whatever. I won't shut up. This is how we got four episodes. (laughs) I completely agree with you, Jared. And that's actually what I've devoted my life to is teaching people that we're actually all capable of this and actually going out there and showing them. So you know, oh, yeah. a whole team in Austria have actually shown them how to communicate with animals and now they're doing it a year later, having been critics to start with. And we're, we've all got this inside us. We're all actually superhuman. So perfectly agree. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. And if you've never met Wim Hof, he is a riot. He came to America. Yeah. I had no idea who he was. My friend has a autoimmune disease and he's like, you got to go meet this guy, Wim Hof. And I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. And so we end up at Treasure Island in San Francisco two years ago, me and a hundred something other people. And 
And here he is standing there. And if you've never heard him, he's like, his core mantra is in person. It's fucking demystify. He says this on stage. He's like, you can do this. I can do this. We can all do this. Fucking demystify. You want a fucking prayer? And he throws his hands together and gives you a (laughs) mantra in Hindu. And he's like, there's your fucking prayer. Now fucking demystify. You forgot you can do this. And it's crazy for a guy who climbed Mount Everest in shorts and has taken dead forms of E. coli and meditated through the inflammatory response. And there's all these documentaries and he's not the only one. And it's abilities that I, it's so funny if, if evolution was half true, then why is it that we only have 10 to 15% consciousness? Then if evolution only gives us something through a forced Mm -hmm. adaptation, what happened to that other, like we're basically in safe mode, but that, so, but it ties into our, megalithic past, these cymatic polygonal ways and frequencies. And then people think, well, look, I, I saw an alien. It's little, it's gray, it's got big eyes. Yeah. So we go in for plastic surgery, a little, uh, you know, there's TED Talks of neurologists talking about how the skin can see and can actually see infrared, that the skin has a neural network and an independence of the human brain. And there's whole TED Talks on this. And so here we are with these abilities, we're only re-understanding. And it ties into the fact that if you're gonna run a, a genetically programmed machine, you might have really big black eyes. And if you're doing zero point turns, maybe being short, translucent, and in a jelly globe might be better. You know, we don't know what the inside of these machines look like so yeah it's been fun i thought could i write a book where i make the catholic church an enemy and basically christianity and also uh uh hate on the alien guys not really but it's like okay let's tell everybody they're humans uh piss on the church a bit and then tell alternative historians that are templating like you know we dig up five percent of a site and suddenly it's all about the celestial objects you can see uh you know, it's the first of its kind and everything was a fertility goddess. I thought I could piss off everybody in one book. So, so you started off thinking that controversy sells and then you realize that like, actually it sounds really fucking awesome. Yeah, he I had, don't know. I, he I, I he has a dream to get assassinated. Is what I'm trying <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> ah. But I don't. And in a more alternative world, Shannon can play me when I am. Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't never memorize all of these things you're saying. What's important <laughs> is you take a more Marlon Brando approach and you just wait. Okay. Yeah. Like a Charlie Chaplin silent film. Oh, I'm <laughs> directing from the grave already. <laughs> well, they, they've got their face at now, so you could just say it and then they can just put your face in there, Shannon, and it'll just say all the words. What's it called? I sent one the other day. Deep, deep fake? The, just like the... Yeah, they, they, they put my face on this hero, dude. Did they, anyone see the, the one that, uh, that Trey Parker put out today? It was kind of amazing. No. Oh. What was it? It's a. It's a. It's what's it called? It's a. It's a 15 minute deep fake video of Trump in a wig hosting a. Uh, you know, uh, gotcha kind of news show. Um, <laughs> um, it's astonishingly good, and it's all done. I guess in ten out of Tennessee, I want to say, and it's about deep fakes, but like it's it's uh trump with a gray wig and an effeminate voice but they've perfectly aligned it <laughs> and he's interviewing he's interviewing people including jared kushner um but kind of as a baby um and it's <laughs> all about deep fakes uh, it's it's very hard to explain but hold on i will look I'll, it up i'll watch anything that trey parker does yeah <laughs> yeah so, yeah. so, so who, oh go ahead 
Um, what are your opinions on the crafts that Bob Lazar described? Uh, I don't know which ones. Like Tic Tac or the which yeah. ones? Yeah. All, all, <laughs> the, 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 the crafts that the U.S. government uh, has. Yeah, the ones that Groom so, Lake that he reverse engineered with the Element 115. Yeah. So there's it's interesting because uh, this ties in actually to a question because Zachariah Stitchin has been coming up a lot lately. Yeah. So I have two angles on this. One is people are saying, okay, well, here's the word through the word about the technology that's being found. And well, we know this spacecraft was found. Well, we, we, here's, here's what I know now is that the United States military comes out last summer before contact in the desert and says, Hey, we've had a program for 70 years and we need everyone's help and we are looking at ufos and hey could the public help us and it's like well that should make news every week like what are we all looking at together now right and then you have these constant stream of you know as you you can't write a book like this and then not learn whether it's pizzagate or whether it's roswell for the one millionth time or anunnaki you know there's no way not to hear all of it and so when it comes to the fines on UFOs, and mind you, Olaf Phillips, my publisher, has written on military UFOs. He's a huge, uh, like he's a go-to person in, I guess, ufology. Uh, I've had good conversations with Michael Hall. So I, th the issue is, is the technology being found, uh, adapted, military, last 100 year, uh, is it that gray state or that interaction with this ancient human cult have, has it gone from the Roman Holy Catholic church finding things and not just burying them, but also maybe adapting some technology. Has it gone to modern governments understanding what it is they're finding, including rock cut tunnels and ruins all over where they're like, look, we know they're here. We know they've planned for disasters. We know that there's a longer history on this planet than we're going to share with the common population. So these ships that are found, uh, most of the time it's okay. Well, it's either an advanced adaptive uh, military project, or if it is one of these ancient human uh, groups, is it a technology that we've accidentally become involved with and like that, that's the, one of the most fascinating things i uh, i found out about those crafts is that he said that when he asked about where they got these he said that uh one if not more of them were found in archaeological digs yeah so i have friends that are archaeologists the fun thing about what i've been doing uh, besides getting you know scott walter you know i've been on earth ancients and uh um one of my friends now is Jennifer Deo. She lives not far from here either. She's an archaeologist and she was, she spent two years as a military archaeologist uh, in the- That exists? UCOM. Yeah, yeah. Well, think oh. about it. So, well, uh, here's one for your brains. So you're the US military and you're building bunkers and you are digging with really expensive, pretty much whatever you want to spend. And you dig into a cavern, only it's already a pre-rock cut construction with food stores in it for thousands of people that are ancient how about that's not more than once that's happened many times i'm in and uh so the deal is these rock cut ruins are not just they are consistently found and it's and so it's not just uh like you said there's a, that aluminum part that was found in england under the at a minimum you have uh you know an aluminum part with the hole in it and it's found below a, a mastodon bone and it's been in situ for 33,000 years. And it's at a minimum, 
based on dating, 700 years older than when you can, we, anyone thought of making aluminum or aluminum for all you British folk. And so here we are with these finds and then the nano parts that were found in Siberia, you know, at least 22,000 year old little tiny spiral nano parts at the Russians, you know, there's this divide between Eastern and Western research where we'll see, we'll hear about something, but to your point about these archeological finds, the U S military keeps archeologists on staff because well, what if they just find a Native American burial? You know, there's all this responsibility. They're just supposed to dig that up. But then when they come knocking, and depending on what military base you work on, think of military contracted archaeologists, and you got them in every state. Go find them. And she, you know, Jennifer spent two years, and they're like, hey, we need you in this cave for, but just this one cave. Don't go down into the other aquifer or into the larger storehouses. I mean, caves. And then, and so they keep them on staff because they find, and I think this has been going on all along. And so they're well aware of the technology, whether it's being found and adapted and reverse engineered, but it's pretty clear from these interactions and the United States military going public, well, look, uh, hey, there's, well, there's aliens. Well, no, is it, or is it ancient advanced humans that have made it through multiple catastrophes. And if they've already been here and already developed paths, which is what the Vedic literature say, and they've already sent, oh, I'm on train tracks, by the way. <laughs> so uh, you get added features <laughs> while we're hanging out. Uh, I'm literally, I love that effect. Yeah, tw- <laughs> 20 feet off of the tracks. I'm in the Northrop King building, which is uh, got 400 mm-hmm. artists lost. So, and I get the benefit of being 20 feet from the main train yard. So sorry about that. But yeah, so yeah, so that, that's just it. It's uh, the combination of these people choosing to interact with this or not. Meanwhile, all, all indications point towards uh, them already having sent satellites out. So the minute we hear a signal back, because there's no galactic Hitlers anywhere, they're all benign, happy flowers. That's a good band for a name for a band. It's galactic the, the Galactic Hitlers. <laughs> oh my gosh, not just one. That's a yeah. 90s punk band for sure. Yeah. Oh, Gary, where's your wig? Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. y'all. I gotta I gotta go uh record a podcast, but uh this was fucking awesome. Jared, uh this is not over. Yeah. I need to talk to you, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, send me a uh you got I think Gary emailed us and I my yeah. email's in there. Go ahead yeah. and email me. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, yeah. uh love you guys. Appreciate you having Peace, me. Pepper. Thanks, Peace. Pepper. See you, Pips. Later, man. Bye. Every time somebody leaves, we have to talk about them now, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now we can welcome um, Matt Napo arrived. Mind dog. Uh, well, hello, Gary. I was just stopping in to say hello. Uh, <laughs> I just had got all done with the show on my own. I had a guy on, uh, the real Jimmy Robert, and we were talking about uh, ancient civilizations on Mars, actually. Uh, and he was showing uh, detailed imagery that proves his his the, or to his uh, um, position anyway is that it proves his theories about ancient uh, civilizations on Mars that got annihilated in a uh, nuclear I, war 70,000 years ago. Is that where they can see all the tunnels? They can see it through the ice and stuff? 
they can see all these portals. There's now. lots of stuff. There's buildings yeah. and there's, uh, um, yeah. you know, artifacts like uh, the Native American stuff, that dwellings that we see in the four corners in Colorado and uh, uh, New Mexico and in that area out here. It's all sorts of stuff. He actually had uh, some pieces of that he claimed were weaponry. Uh, and just today, uh, George Knapp, who was, you know, if people are into UFOs, they know who George Knapp is. He released a picture of what he claimed was a UFO that had crash landed on Mars and it looked exactly like the uh, what Bob Lazar claimed he was working on so it's it was interesting stuff you know good good stuff for good stuff to spend an hour and a half talking about but uh, <laughs> sure you should have him on your show. You should you should get him on your show and 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 run through the stuff because he's yeah. he def, he's got a, a very popular YouTube channel. He's uh he's kind of tied into some people who work behind the scenes at NASA who are feeding him some information and stuff. But mm-hmm. he's you know he's got millions of views on his YouTube channel because it's a very uh, a hot topic among people who are inclined to talk about that kind of stuff. And, uh, he, you know, he, so he's got quite a millions and millions of, of followers. So, it's, you know, yeah, you have to send stuff. me his info. Yeah. I'll definitely have him on the real Jimmy Roberts one on YouTube. Look him up, look him up. Real oh. Jimmy Roberts one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I just wanted to stop by and say hello. Thanks, man. Hey, Matt. Hey, hey, Ange. Yeah, you know Angie. Doing? I do. I know Adam too. I don't know. He was on your Greg, show like ten times. The, yeah, I've seen uh, Greg's name mentioned a, a lot of times in the Matt, podcast. I know we're trying to we're trying to set up a time. Still, I'll have to. Have to follow <laughs> <up with you. laughs> yeah, I know. Bring, bring I love his this mom space. The super, why am I, okay, <laughs> Angie's just like, you're just railing on me, I, I live in New York, I quarantined, okay, um, maybe, should I go back? I mean, is now a safe no, no, enough no. time okay. to go back? Okay, so he's, so he's crying about living with his parents, and we're doing a podcast yesterday where I'm hypnotizing him <laughs> in the podcast, and he's sitting in this huge theater room, right, with all these chairs, and there's obviously, you know, two levels of chairs, and and I'm like, where the hell are you? And he goes, oh, I'm at my mum's house. And I'm like, fucking mum, that. And he's crying about it. So now he can just wear it. It's like well, you're crying because you're at your mum's house and it's like, a, a, I don't know, like the coolest house ever. So, well, yeah, do you, do, are you aware of what happened with me with, uh, you know, Tanner Davidson? <laughs> Oh yeah, it happened to me too. <laughs> oh yeah, I had him on my podcast, and as soon as I uh, introduced him into the room, I looked and I said, "Wait a minute, is that your family having dinner behind you?" And they were sitting <laughs> at at the table having dinner, and his sister was just wearing a t-shirt and no shorts or anything, and getting up and walking around, and her ass was hanging out, and she kept walking past, and I I was having. First of all, he doesn't. He's non-responsive when you ask him questions. He'll give you a yes or a no answer, and, and you have to fill up the entire hour by yourself. But then, with his sister's ass in my face every three seconds, I, w- I was really distracted by that. And, and that was that was a, on a string of three really incredible. Out of two hundred and eighty shows now, I've done uh, three in a row that were just. A uh, nightmare train wreck from hell uh, type of shows. Um, the first being um, uh, Ed Bale, who's a uh, dwarf 
uh, who's he was Howard the Duck and Chucky, you know, all those movies. Oh. And we were going to talk about his movie career, but he didn't want to talk about his movie career. All he wanted to do was talk about how he's a gay dwarf Republican who hates and he was dropping N-bombs and he hates Native Americans oh, and, and he hates Jews. And uh, he was just going on, like being really racist, anti-Semitic, everything. Uh, and you would think a gay dwarf would kind of be a liberal or a tolerant in some way. <laughs> But no, so that was the stereotyping gay dwarfs. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was Thursday night. Then Friday night, I had a one-eyed uh, a guy who was supposed he was built as a comedian, but he was living in his car in a Target parking lot, a Target parking lot in his car with his wife. And I asked him about his co- comedian career, and he he wasn't working comedy; he was doing sex work. Now he's sixty years old. He's a one-eyed diabetic living in his car with his wife, selling sex. Over the internet, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, who is paying you to watch you have sex with yourself while your wife sits in the car next to you? Uh, and then Tanner was the next night, so it was like three, three in a row. And then I was like, you know what? I, I, I've had a good run. Maybe podcasting is over. Maybe it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. You could certainly you could certainly do a little series on podcast disasters. Yeah, well, thank thank God it got back to normal uh, pretty quickly after that. But I, I was wondering if I was cursed or something. It was it was, it was a bad time. I think you, you had me what? on twice that same week too. Right after yeah. that, yeah, right. <laughs> Adam was my staple of of normalcy. Uh, he was the guy who brought me back and, and and made things okay to be doing podcasts again. <laughs> Maybe we need to create a pot where everyone can just load up their their disasters. You never that know would... the following it we get. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I had Tanner too. He was a mess. He was such a hard interview. Right. It, 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 I had him, and I had uh, I forget the girl's name, but she was from um, the UK, and, and she spoke Cockney, and she wrote a book about um, ghosts. And every time I asked her a question, she'd go, "Ghosts." And she just that's all she would <laughs> say. She would not say anything else. I was like, "Well, what's your book about? Ghosts." <laughs> Right. Well, that's what it's about. Well, Tanner, I actually told him. I, I first I said, "Are you as talkative on your own podcast as you are here?" And he he went ah, and I was like, "Wow, that's kind of weird." So I said, "Well, maybe if you ever come back again, maybe you might want to consider like taking an upper or something." Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you don't have much to say. When I had him on, he lifted his shirt up over his head. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> do, you, do you think that's his angle, though? Like, do you think that's his uh, Nike tick, or or you think it's just part of his mental health? I think it's part of his mental health. Uh, he he doesn't because uh, he he said he studied forensic science. And I said, well, so is that your job? He's no, nah, I work in a warehouse. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a different story when you get him on. I, I had one interview with a guy, uh, I was the guest, some guy Levin or something, and through the podcast, um, he, he was sort of asking me questions that were sort of inappropriate to what we were talking about, and he wanted answers, and then I realised at the end that he was 
he was fishing for answers for something he was doing afterwards. And he said on there, so, so what I'm doing these for is I want to use them and I'll use parts of them to, for a, a documentary I'm making. Well, are you sure it wasn't Jeffrey Tubin? Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. sure it was some guy. Who didn't. Anyway, anyway, so he's asking me these questions and, and things like, so, so what have you learned today and that you haven't known in your life? And I'm like, uh, uh, nothing. And he's like, no, there needs to be something that you've learned today that you haven't. I'm like, no, nothing. Anyway, so after the interview, I, I researched, I, I cut it short. And I researched and he's writing this book and he's actually promoting himself out there. I've seen him on all of these coronavirus things. He's promoting himself as some seer that is coming in and changing all these famous people and people around the world. And, and he's making this show about how he's, he's taking all of these healers and he's healing the healers. And so, yeah, anyway, I've sent it up to Adam Nutter and the guys are, so there's a few predators out there as well, apart from everything else. It's, how was he intending to make a documentary without your permission and use the footage? Yeah, yeah, and he's trying to get excerpts. So he'll start with the question of like, you know, what's the biggest thing that people come to you with? And if they're like, well, you know, people, um, you know, suicidal, and he'll get you to say it in a way that it's suicidal without them being suicidal. And so it sounds like he will clip that to being. Right, but he couldn't. Healer, he, he couldn't yeah, use. He, he couldn't. He couldn't use it without your permission, without a written permission. Well, no, he was he was getting the permission on the front end to say this is used for the, you know, for the um, for whatever he's using it for, for the okay. podcast and and other things for marketing, and and so yeah, he's obviously going to. For example, I was going to be someone that was suicidal that he's then got to someone that is. Anyway, they're all out there, right? So. Yeah, yeah, I was on a podcast once where somebody asked me a bunch of inappropriate questions too. Was that me? No, it was Greg Bornstein. Gonna, what what inappropriate say, questions did I ask you? Is there anything that's inappropriate with you? <laughs> yeah, please. You made me do a Shakespeare monologue for you on your that, show. That that was revenge Mike. for all those inappropriate questions. <laughs> This guy, what was it? Tell everybody, Shannon, as an actress, you should appreciate that this is the worst Shakespeare monologue he could have possibly picked. I feel like he's my friend's favorite. What, what, what do you make you do? Oh, gosh. What was it even from? It was like a, it was, it was, it was like the equivalent of like was a station master. It was, okay. It was Hamlet. It was Hamlet. From what? what from it, was, it was Horatio. Giving, giving directions, right? Yeah, your friend. Yeah, Gary tells me that this is the monologue his friend always breaks out at open mic nights and slays. <laughs> That's with. true. He and, slays it. Yes, and as a you know, I mean, I I went to school for acting, so Gary's like, oh, I'm gonna make this actor perform for me, and of course, it is just the worst piece. And then not only does he make me do it. He then goes, Greg, I'm sorry, the power went out. Can you do that again? <laughs> and it didn't go out. Yeah, it did it like that three times. Like <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he doesn't, has he trolled anyone else? Well, I guess he trolled all of you tonight. <laughs> but <laughs> my gosh, man. That's funny. Well, I, I have to, this is my, I just met podcasters recently and I really enjoy talking to the podcast world and meeting so many interesting people like you guys are all really just good conversationalists. I've had a really good time 
getting into this little world. I didn't even know it existed. I was really nervous about doing any podcast, but it's been a really positive experience. So you guys never be nervous as these guys. Uh, <laughs> just, just be scared. Be very scared. Yeah, be scared. Yeah. I'm scared. We of have Greg. to keep Angie around. We have to keep one female. You do. <laughs> if you if you want to keep getting booked, just introduce yourself as some kind of uh, entrepreneur slash uh, life coach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but like, really specialize it. Like, I my favorite is being known as a mompreneur, which would be like a mom entrepreneur, <laughs> and talk about how you're living intentionally. Um. And however you want to phrase it, whatever sounds the worst, just put that in a Facebook ad somewhere and uh, you'll get booked, you know, probably about 50 yeah. different shows. And you can just make up whatever nonsense you want. It'll sound legitimate. <laughs> so I would go with that. Someone should do that. Someone should do that. Someone should make up a, um, make up a, a career, a new one every week. And then go on different podcast shows and pretend they're that person, and then quite in the background put them together as all the things I'm not. Isn't that every it. chat room everywhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> that sounds like okay. Gary and I in our search for time travelers. That's what I'm wondering. Like, what, what got... <laughs> Gary, what's come up for you? I went into a group called Time Travel Proof, and I uh -huh. reached out and I said, "Look, who's out there? Like, are there people in this group who claim?" that they're time travelers. Jared and, probably does. You know, Preston Nichols was- I was going to say, Jared's probably got a book for. But I have to go, guys. I don't mean to cut you off, but I have to go on a meeting. Yeah, pleasure to meet you, Shannon. It was nice well, to meet you guys. And, and it was fascinating. Bye, Shannon. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Thank Call you. me Gary. I will. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> uh, Preston Nichols was a friend of mine who was on my radio show quite often. And he uh, used to bring with him uh, a guy named uh, Al Bilek, who you may know because he's been on uh, uh, the History Channel a lot and every kind of special. He claimed to be part of the Philadelphia Experiment. But oh. he also had his soul transfer who we bring with them called uh, Duncan Cameron and Al and, D and Duncan claimed to share the same soul uh, and they were uh, claimed to have been part of the time travel uh, experiments at Montauk Point in the Montauk wow. Project and uh, they uh, Duncan actually told me with a straight face that during one of the experiments he was uh, sent to Mars where he met Elvis and Jesus at the same time and found out that they were a soul transfer, a soul split, and they were actually the same person. Jesus and Elvis were the same person, and they were on Mars right now. He told me that with a straight face and uh, in, a, in an hour-long interview and wouldn't budge off of that like he was completely dead serious about it. Wow. Preston was... Preston was uh, unquestionably, uh, certifiably uh, out of his mind. Out I'd of love his to mind. have him on my show. He, he spent one, <laughs> one entire hour on my radio show just calling me the mind pussycat. Mind dog, mind, mind pussycat. Get the mind pussycat. And that's how he would answer every question I, I asked him for an hour. Uh, Great. Yeah. You seem to find them. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate. You should have Jared on your show. You, you missed a whole heap there. It was amazing. I've decided oh, to sit there all day with you, Jared, on my, on my computer and just, yeah. Well, yeah, we can, you know, it's been, it's been fun, but yeah, I guess you missed it. I wrote a book called It's Not Aliens Worse. It's Us Discovering Our Lost History. And I've already, and I'm also doing research. So I had mentioned I had gone off to South Africa to stay at Stone Circle and look at the ruins and uh, Olaf Phillips from Paranoia Press and Anomalies, you know, Paranoia Podcasts like Clyde Lewis, 
uh, th those guys out in Cali published my book, but then I'm continuing to do research. I've gotten to know some archaeologists and uh, uh, Scott Walter from America on Earth. You know, he offices not far from me. So uh, it's nice to have a, uh, a lab that can actually do uh, forensic geology. And then I kind of got into it uh, with uh, the genetic memories. I think what mm. you probably didn't hear was a lot of people mistake uh, paranormal which is really probably a stored genetic memory. You know, we're only 10 to 15% conscious and went over that it's in the book and all the way to the idea, just that there's likely at least one advanced ancient human race that has survived and we call them aliens, but it's likely that they're just other humans that leave us alone. Like we leave the 150 tribes alone on earth. And there's your quick recap. Thanks for joining. <laughs> Wait, Jer Jared, where do you land on like Graham Hancock? Uh, Graham's work is pretty serious. Uh, I think that some of the writing can be, uh, like, I, I think all of it's, well, first off, a lot of it's very invaluable. Uh, he definitely helped guide me like the, the dives he did in the nineties off of India, yeah. like, and his work. And then, uh, I've been able, I've been lucky enough to interview Michael Cremo twice myself and he, his book, Forbidden Archaeology, is a foundational mm. uh, point on mine. I mean, he lists nine, he has a 900-page book that's not about new finds. These are paleoanthropological finds. So the minute we as humanity said, we will now have a profession of digging up the past. And from the minute we started doing it, we found anatomically correct humans in layers that should not exist. So Graham does a good job of not only doing his own research, but he does tie a lot of people's work together. So his latest work about the Younger Dryas, I think is really good, mm -hmm. but it, it echoes a lot of what's already in Forbidden Archaeology. But yeah, Graham's, I think, a really good resource. And then there's other people who I won't name that uh, who if, well, let's put it this way. If their entire narrative sounds a lot like Deep Space Nine or Stargate, you're probably talking to someone who doesn't have any foundation on their work. But if, if the, if, if I want to name them, I think I know who you're talking about. I think I know. Are I we can talking neither like... confirm nor deny, but look, I mean, let's <laughs> okay, look at it this okay. way. If, if you can travel interdimensionally space to, because you need to come to earth for gold and you can manipulate mitochondrial DNA to make a monkey into a person, but you don't know how to use a 3D printer and make gold on the planet you're from, there's the first hole in your saucer theory. But so <laughs> everyone jumps. It's, the, the problem is there's a lot of conversations out there and like talking, uh, it was really fun to talk to Richard Hoagland the other night for three hours because uh, his whole thing is he's sick of everyone talking about being aliens because it's an easier concept for us to understand because I'm generationally that point of growing up with uh, Forbidden Planet and Star Wars and, and the idea of who wants to talk about engineered soil? I'm talking about advanced ancient engineered soil. People want to find mummies. They want to be Indiana Jones. And here we are. Yeah. Well, man, look, I mean, uh, David Wilcock, Corey Good. Those are two Stop. big names out there. I'm not going to say those are the names you're referring to but they were on Jenny McCarthy's show. I heard them on it and they said the equivalent of what you said, which is Star Trek and Star Wars. It's actually like that. Oh, mm. that I, I did not know. They actually quoted it like that, but yeah, I think that it's easier to there. There is a machine like any entertainment uh, venue that uh, there are people out there that are looking every, a lot. Of, everyone's looking for answers. So it's really hard to like, 
hear when people who are more, maybe more vulnerable are willing to latch on to something because they're giving them hope. And that's, that's not my point isn't to debunk. Yeah. You know, life is one big giant experiment and self. That's why I bring up Wim Hof and Stieg Severinsen and, and I, why I climb and also I'm out in the field and, and trying to figure out this, why do we have ancient engineered soil all over the earth? And no one's ever stopped. You know that no one's ever actually decided to figure out that because I have a background in historical remodeling. And part of it is if you have these giant megalithic buildings that literally do not sway left or right or up or down, mm. like they move with earthquakes, but nobody ever stopped to consider that the compaction, the very compaction and the content of the soil that's holding up these buildings is relevant. Like there could be nanotechnology yeah. in the soil. And so I'm out trying to make connections with, you know, like the whole point of knowing a forensic geologist and knowing archaeologists is we need to be able to like, our, our past is more of a search and recovery than it is a, or a search and rescue rather than a search and recovery. And I think that it's relevant because, you know, uh, Zachariah, you know, I just brought it up. Somebody was like, what do you think of Zachariah Stitchin? And I'm like, well, besides completely having no evidence and making up half of his stuff, he inspired a lot of people to look at, uh, you know, he inspired people. And then Eric Von Danigan, I mean, I don't think any of us would be where we are if it wasn't for Eric Von Danigan. And I've, I was going to ask what you thought about him. I was curious. I, I've met him a couple times and I've read quite a few of his books and his recent ones on like uh, the Greek, like a lot of people don't know that there's polygonal construction. So I call it cymatic polygonal construction because it's meant to not just deter earthquakes, but it's also meant for, I think, energy wave frequency communications. And because one of the properties of engineered soil is it's piezoelectric. It actually communicates electrically. And I think that his books on the Greek saying, look, we didn't, we weren't here first. The, this, this building, this temple of Delphi, look at the wall. It's all cymatic polygonal construction. And then they built on top of it. And he, some of his recent work, but, and, and he has been quoted as saying, like, he never said people <clears throat> landed on the Nazca lines, right? It, it was just something that got labeled on him. And I got to meet him in person. And he's like, I never said they were landing strips, but now I've been coined as their landing strips. So on mm. one hand, it's like, he's done a lot of really good work. And then, but he's also he, like, he's the start. He's one of the foundations for all of us to like be inspired to do this research. But then, you know, you have to like be willing to be wrong. We need to be willing to like modify our own, not, like not just stand on like, well, this is my one theory and I can never change. And then two, it's like, wow, as new data comes in, we all need to be able to accept that. But it's also partially self-experimentation. Just because something works doesn't mean that's the, because our brains are so complex, you know, we have this methodology for meditations or what have you. And then it's like, okay, well, is that actually how it's working? Or are you banging on the blinky box and it blinks every time you do it, you have a reaction. So it's the correct one, but it's not actually probably... Uh, I don't mean to interrupt. I got to step out. Gary, I just want to say uh, congratulations on your 100th show. I'll, I'll, I'll see you guys all in cyberspace. Show. Oh. Yeah. oh, so you, you were bullshitting about this 100th show. For, well, I'm using the electoral college to count my shows. Oh, got you. Electoral. Right. Well, I got my 300th next week. I'll send you an invite for that, for that one. Awesome. Right. Talk, talk to you guys in cyberspace. See you for now. Right. Hey, I, mean, Matt. I was more uh, 
uh, you mentioned that you listen to the Jenny McCarthy podcast. That's the most interesting part of any. <laughs> yeah, let's hear about that. <laughs> okay, look, it wasn't the Jenny McCarthy podcast. She has a show on Sirius XM uh, that I saw that David Wilcock was on. Oh, and, okay. And the, so, the one thing that, that is always enticing for radio is uh, big fake boobs. That's always <laughs> <laughs> Yes. For radio. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always a sign of intellect, I think. Howard Stern did it for years Um, uh, yes no I mean look it was um, she's trying to look I'm sure she's a charming anti-vaxxer but yeah go ahead (laughs) that's true not all of them are not all of them are Um, yeah I I think what you're saying Jared is is that like even while some of these guys are getting it wrong with their stories they're getting people to a certain level of self-questioning and questioning yeah. their beliefs and and whether they need to go through that phase to get to that phase it doesn't really matter but it just still has that same resonance to me that everything happens for a reason everyone has their message that they pass on if someone can understand star wars and then later when they outgrow that ask the next question then then it's been worth its while yeah i think that there's nothing wrong with being at stonehenge and worshiping the mm-hmm. summer solstice but it's like being at chernobyl a thousand years later doing yoga and going it's yeah, so exactly. special well, for a thousand years, it was very special that you did yoga at, at Chernobyl, but it's a yeah. nuclear power plant. If you yeah. want to dance around with a fairy hat, yeah. go for it. But yeah. it's not why it's working. Or it's That's not. Right. It's not yeah. That, yeah. So I think that there's ways that we're either we're looking at technology and I'm not saying it's all we're mistaking what we see as the natural world as natural. But it's such a high level of technology. It's not yeah. one that we weren't integrated with. And even the Paracas are like that. The, the engineering. Like the guy that found the big thing of gold, but then they found out that it was actually just a big poo thing that came from a plane. <laughs> yeah. Froze. That sort of, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a wide topic, but yeah, I think we just bored him out of the conversation or was it that it was your 91st episode, Gary? Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to sell you as a guest on his show and he just. Oh. Yeah. I have, I have no idea who. Who was that? <laughs> Dude, you'll be on a show. You'll be on a show. I want to know more about Adam's film. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. every time I, I'm on Gary's show, I just sit there promoting it. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> I haven't heard well, it. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, okay. It's, uh, it's called Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me. Uh, it is a viral pandemic movie that takes place in inner city Philadelphia. Um, takes place on the hottest day of the year. And uh, this virus gets loose in inner city Philadelphia and uh, it causes massive dehydration. People start attacking each other for their bodily fluids. And uh, one of the attacks caught in a viral video and the military comes in the local hospital to try to slow it down. They realize they can't do it. So they fence off the inner city and let everybody die. And it's about the people who are left there to die. And uh, I know that sounds grim, but it's a more of a comedy than anything else. Uh, we, it came out in August and uh, I guess tomorrow is the last day it's playing uh, in the Lemley Theaters in Los Angeles on virtual streaming, and then it'll be somewhere else. But um, after that, so it's basically uh, a sounds like budget. America to us. But well, yeah, I mean, it was not written as uh, as. But you guys realize than... that you won't be able to travel anywhere in the world for at least ten years, right? Oh yeah, and I, I wanted you to make another movie. I, I wanted to make another movie this fall, and I cannot do it because uh, uh, you get you can't get insurance, and uh, you don't feel comfortable um, having actors for multiple days, and uh, uh, the cost for COVID insurance is absurd, oh. and um, you have to have you have to separate everybody's meals, and it, it increases your budget about sixty percent. Um, 
because we have screwed this up so badly that uh, there will be no uh, legitimate film and TV industry probably in America for, I think, two or three years probably. Okay, Adam, how about this? How about you get that script? All of us take a part and then you... Oh, no, that movie, this movie was made. And, and yeah, no, no, but for you, one that you want to make. Get, okay. get everyone to take a part and then all come on and do it all via... You can't, can't do it. It's a, it's a, it's a epic thriller. Damn it. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a mix of old boy and an Oleana. Like, so very stagey, oh. like a stage play. Wow. And, um, and uh, about uh, me too and rape and all sorts of pleasant things. Um, I've got but, a uh, pleasant one uh, that I wrote last year. So uh, it wouldn't, it, I've been trying to figure out how to do it. There's no way to do it in these conditions because it has uh, intimate scenes and I don't feel comfortable shooting anything like that where people have to yeah. touch each other. Yeah. Um, I don't mean like I have a, a problem shooting an intimate scene. I have a problem yeah. shooting an intimate scene in these conditions yeah. where I don't want anyone to get sick just for a stupid movie that I'm, you know, going to end yeah. up self-financing. So, um, yeah, so I have other things that I want to do, but we, uh, you know, can't, can't do them. I mean, I even wrote something, uh, I'm in a script writing group and, 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 uh, I had this idea a long time ago and they're like, and I just wrote this web series about what, what's going to happen if we're still living in this in four years. And, uh, and then the only job you can get if you're overeducated is to work at a troll farm. Um, in America <laughs> and it's about people who work there and like how they get kind of get sucked in. Um, and in fact, there's a whole episode where they were the, uh, ha- the nice side of the troll farm on the, uh, in, in the same building is when the guy gets burned out of being a troll on the other side of the building, his boss takes him over to be a, a life coach to go on podcasts. Um, and it's just life coaches, in- life coaches interviewing other life coaches and entrepreneurs. And it's this whole Ouroboros, <laughs> of endless, you know, life coaches who have who have life coach colleges who interview other life. I think you wrote this four years ago, and we're living in it. I, think. I actually yeah. wrote. I wrote a thing about life about. Um, this is uh, the time traveler, right? Life coaches uh, about fifteen years ago, um, and and just uh, updated. It was originally about uh, the health insurance industry and about how every everything. Um, it was about a, a struggling president. It was about George W. Bush at the time, but it was basically about he was, he was, he was very unpopular and he was trying to um, regain popularity. And he figures out that the most profitable health insurance in America is called a uh, clean bill. And it's a combination of a health insurance company and a financial company. And the reason it's so financially profitable is because they literally farm all their stuff out to India. And so like, if you want to go to the right out in the corner, you had to actually go to India um, and if you don't know the doctor, you had to go to India, but they weren't paying for the flight. So it was the most profitable thing because nobody was ever taking advantage of it. But the opening scene took place at a learning annex, which if anybody is from the East Coast, they know exactly what that is. Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, Donald Trump was in the script because he used to do this stuff too. Um, right. And, and the learning annex is exactly similar to this stuff wherein – um, they're selling you uh, the ability to know about a real estate opportunity and it costs a couple hundred bucks, you know, all this sort of thing. And there was an, the scene, op- the movie opened with these guys going to this, trying to figure out some way to make money. And they listened to this woman give a speech about uh, basically a life coach selling the idea of how to start up your own life coach colleges. Um, and it was just a never ending totally. 
totally. uh, thing. And I wrote it years and years ago. And I didn't really think, I, I thought it would kind of get burned out. I never really thought we'd have this whole, this whole <laughs> you know, pyramid scheme of an industry um, in which the whole goal of a life coach is just to get on a podcast to talk to another person so they can talk about their, their own bullshit. Um, so you so, can totally do that on on. Oh, no, well, I couldn't do that. So, the, so the, the web series that I wrote is takes place like, you know, mostly isolated in this one building. Mm. Um, okay. uh, and I could shoot it cheap, but it's, uh, you know, and everybody gets a monologue, but uh, you know, it's, it's also an idea of, it's very difficult to sell things right now. I mean, web series are a little easier to sell, um, but nobody's, nobody's necessarily buying. And it's, it's such a suffocating premise. Like it's so, it's some of it's very dark and very funny. And then other things about it, it's so oppressive. I've been trying to keep that yeah. balance. Um, so uh, I have indeed been interviewing life coaches um, because uh, I, I know that they're full of it and I want to yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, Do you tell I them that before you interview Greg, them? Uh, yeah. Greg, and I were Greg and I were talking the other week about um, one guy over here. He charges thousands of dollars for people to go to him for... Um, you know, uh, training and letting the ego go. Mm -hmm. And he did three interviews with me and the third one he wouldn't put to air because he ended up saying to me, oh my God, this is like my um, therapy session. Mm -hmm. So he's teaching them about ego and then it all comes out because of the way I speak and question as a psychotherapist. He's, he said it puts it all on the table and he's got real ego problems and he has in you know, all of these issues. So then we start and I... I get him beyond his thing. Anyway, right. so I mean, he wouldn't that's, air that's it. What I, I find he that wouldn't too. air it. And then, and then not only, what, about a week later, Greg? Up on his page started coming, um, you know, statements from him that, that I'd made to him in this session. Mm. Right? As, oh, as yeah. his knowledge for people. He stole your shit. Right. So, yeah. But amazingly, I recorded the, uh, the interview on my phone. I know. I, I really there, but, want her to drop it. Yeah. Really. As a matter of it's fact, I want like, to oh my God. show and do commentary on it. Like, come on, open loops, conversations that been yeah. with Greg Bornstein, Angie Breyers, bring that audio and we will dissect it. Um, yeah, so no, I, I agree. I agree with you that there's, there's so much of that and there's so much, like everything is the same, same. It's just the, the, next, the next pyramid thing that you can sell. Well, I'm curious, Adam. So you're saying you go to these live coaches and you interview them? And yeah, I have. I interviewed one. There was a guy um, in the same place that Gary finds guests. I I get I get booked <laughs> on shows to promote my film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the same Facebook groups. And um, there was one guy in particular, but I've interviewed a couple. And one guy in particular, um, he was advertising that he was a life coach. He was like a guy who got life coaches to find other life coaches but it was this convoluted thing and i talked yeah. to him on facebook for like 45 minutes and it seemed like he was like he wasn't stupid and it was relatively legitimate i didn't quite buy it because i don't buy any of it but um mm. and i said you know uh can i interview you and i interviewed him and it, within three questions and and the way that i talk is like very sort of intense and very like i i just keep going until like w whatever it is either falls apart or whatever and i ask very um direct questions yeah, and right. by the third question his whole narrative fell apart and it turned out like he told me that 
his, that he was a life coach who found, who, who helped other life coaches find clients. And then it turned out by about question three that he didn't have any clients and he was still <laughs> looking to build up his resume. And it like, so, and I'm doing that and I'm listening and I'm really, I just, I just kind of half tune out and then the rest of it, I kind of do on autopilot, but he doesn't even notice, I guess. Um, but it, to me, this Ouroboros is so fascinating. If you guys don't know what an Ouroboros is, it's a snake who eats its own tail. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And this, and I, and when, when that happened, when it, when, when he kind of broke down that he didn't admit he didn't have any clients, that's when I started asking even more direct questions about like, when does this end? Like, what's this about? Can't you just, you know, go get a degree? Like, can't you be legitimate? You know, but without being, I wasn't like hassling him, but I was legitimately curious and I'll interview as many of them as I can. I'm going to be on a show tomorrow that was a bait and switch um, trying to get uh, mentorship um, the guy didn't say that when he was booking people um, and he wanted to charge money, but I said, you didn't say that. Well, so he's I, trying to get money to mentor people. Well, he's got a mentor group of sorts. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. He's got, and, but he didn't mention that. that he wanted to book entertainers. And so um, uh, I assumed that when he interviewed me to do it, like when we talked on the phone, that it was just going to be a blow off that he was just going to blow me off and not actually do it. But he'd still oh, no, absolutely. We're going to talk about blah, blah, blah. And so that's supposed to happen tomorrow. But um uh, I'm fascinated by the whole thing um, because this amount of self-delusion is uh, seemingly so time-consuming um, yeah. and, and to, to no benefit as far as I can tell. Like who, yeah. who buys into this? <laughs> and um, is this, like many years ago, I wrote an article when I was, a, I was a film critic for a long time and I also was a, uh, wrote some articles for a paper in Columbus, Ohio. And it was a, one of the pieces I wrote in 2008 was where I went undercover as an ex-gay. So I'm not gay, but I was writing for a gay paper. So I just went. I was going to say, what's the, an ex-gay? It's someone who tries to pray the gay away. They do reparative right. therapy. Oh, okay. Like Mike um, Pence, wow. what he advocates for. the. Uh, well, uh, Michelle Bachman's husband ran one of those. And that right, was. Right. Um, so uh, I, I went through that whole process for a couple of months. And I just hung out with all these, these guys who were trying to ungay themselves. And it's, you know, absurd generally. But it's also very sad. And that like, you know you'd listen to the stories and you, you couldn't do anything for them because I'm supposed to be you know going through the same process. And I couldn't, I couldn't say, Hey, there's nothing wrong with you. Like I would ask questions in that vein, like, like as if, as if I was questioning myself, but really yeah. it was really me asking questions about the whole process, but it was a pyramid scheme. And as I surmised at the time, I would get interviewed about it and I'd said, look, it's a pyramid scheme with nobody at the top. Like, I don't know who benefits from this. I don't know what this is about. Uh, there's not, there's not like someone who's making millions of dollars at the top. It's just everyone punishing themselves. And is it the same thing with the life coaches? Are they, is this just all this weird self delusion in the same way that, you know, multi-level marketing and QAnon kind of all mixed together. I mean, I just read an article a couple of weeks ago in the Atlantic about how QAnon and, and MLMs have just completely mixed now. Um, and like half, half, half the MLMs are, have, have people who are, who are pu- pushing QAnon in their like Instagram and Facebook pages yeah. and stuff. There's a guy and in my neighborhood that does that. He does MLMs. He's, he, make, he, does, he, he, does, he, does, he does MLMs and he mixes it with the QAnon thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, of course the reason it works is because it's the same mindset um, on the same people, but I just don't, I have yet to figure out what the benefit was. I was talking about this with my girlfriend earlier about how we can't figure out like, what's the financial benefit of QAnon? Like who's, who's making money off of this? I mean, I'm Facebook friends. Well, I'm not friends, but Facebook friends with like other actors um, and actors 
often fall into religion. They often fall into because it's a it's a terrible uh, profession psychologically because it's about failure. It's about being rejected, and the only way to sort of save yourself from that is to to have some hope. And if you find religion or you find whatever it is, I totally understand that. But a lot of them do fall into QAnon because it's like an explanation essentially. But what I don't know is, is who's benefiting from it. Cause if it's just a guy in the Philippines who's just hiding out from being prosecuted because he ran eight chan or whatever the real explanation is, what's the, what's the, fi- what's the financial reason for it? I guess I don't know. I mean, you, you guys are more into the stuff than I am. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know much about any of this stuff. I, I, I think is 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 probably just some kind of political thing because they're just trying to make a power grab. You know, it's just a way to buy but for people what support. and for who. That I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, if the whole point is like you know that they're and I don't whatever wherever you guys stand politically. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Greg, you you grew up in New York as well. I'm assuming. I um, I grew up in Massachusetts, but I oh okay yeah, like a liberal, very liberal background. Right. So yes. uh, the reason I'm saying that is, so I grew up in New York around the Trumps. I knew I knew them oh, as, wow. as a, as a kid, and everyone knew they were grifters then, and and like really bad at it too, and like terrible business people and ter- and horrible people. Yeah. So yeah. this notion that like this guy would be out to save anybody as a pedophile seems like you know, save everybody from the pedophiles is like the weirdest conspiracy that doesn't make any sense. Like if you had any knowledge of who he was. So it's very confusing to try to figure out, okay, who's like this guy who's, you know, somehow president uh, either for the next two months or for the next four years or however, this is going to resolve itself um, that he would have anyone else in mind is the most bizarre thought. Um, And so that's why it's hard for me to figure out uh, what the QAnon stuff is about, or if it's just a conspiracy theory they got out of control because people aren't taking their medication, or 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 some sort of like weird desperation. Jared, you're you're either tuning out or I'm I'm hitting a nerve. It's the only time you haven't said anything. <laughs> right, like I've been minutes. looking at Jared too. He's like, <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, a, another dumbass train came by. Somehow they only get really busy when I'm on a podcast, okay. and so there's whatever. So they're switching rails, but. The, leave them in because it sounds really cool yeah well okay so i could have stayed live for that so you can you'll yeah. hear the you'll hear the dinging in a minute but uh, uh well there's two i mean there's a few different things you've covered one is uh i think the this goes back to human connections and the way we are like uh there there's a, there's mainstream scientific proof of a human consciousness a collective human consciousness right and and then there's proof like even from 2008 that we were able to write using DNA, using the, the fork R-A-O-H, whatever, the fork, we've been able to turn those into ones and zeros uh, on and off. So they recorded in 2008 at Harvard a 50,000 word book on a little bit of DNA. And now they can do a terabyte on an ounce of, of DNA, which means that without you having to think about it, all of every bit of knowledge of humankind can be stored in about two elephants, right? So when it comes to praying the gay away, my, on one thought, I, I had a friend who was in the same thought. He grabbed on to Christianity and he was, he was gayer than a pink kite. And he's like, Jared, isn't it, isn't it good that I'm, I mean, imagine if someone just denied themselves something that, well, isn't it good that they do that? And I'm like, no, it's not. But, you know, trying to- I love to- your voice. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's that was great. I'm not in character yet, but that was 
<laughs> and so this guy, like, he's like, I, I get it, but it's like, what's the motivation? And I, I think what I'm prepping on that is that I think that all of us are connected. And one of the ways that, again, when you think more gray state, um, deciding who's president is like, again, who's decide which, which W would do you like the rock Dwayne, the rock Johnson. I mean, deciding who you like as president keeps all the eyes off of the Rockefellers and uh, the federal reserve families and uh, all, all the ones, uh, all the Rothschilds. It's ridiculous that we, yeah, I was, I was waiting. So you, is Soros so, next in this theory? I, no, yeah. well, that's, so, so so the, does that mean that every, everything, everything is um, just classic misdirection? Well, I think what's that really going on. I, I'm a huge history fan, and, and I do think that some, think of a president as more like a mayor. And on one hand, I think sexual dysfunction is so sad because it's a way that the church used it to disconnect us. So the I, idea of of like these poor people being told to pray the gay away, it's not a Republican Democrat. It's not a church non church. It's stay the hell out of people's bedrooms. And if people could reach a base level of health, the reality is that whether you're monogamous or not, or how you communicate, one of the greatest ways that humans connect is through sex. And, and, and then there's this whole actual problem with pedophiles that is rampant in Hollywood and rampant. Uh, it's a real thing. It's not just a conspiracy. This, this, Jazine Maxwell thing, this whatever the hell is going on. And it's like, how Trump, like you said, got assigned to this, I don't know. But what should really scare people is, before I heard any of it, I, I came across all that stuff. And I'm like, what? what is going on? Because one of, the, one of that misdirections is the Luciferian thing. The whole Christian, like Jesus is the devil, or the devil's Jesus, or they're just like getting extra energy out of killing children. And, you know, it's like, oh God. So again, you have a whole segment of the population using 10% of their brain and deciding that if they do the right alchemy, the right stand on the left foot at the summer solstice and they drink a scared kid's blood, they're going to live eight months longer or something. I don't know. Whatever that is, uh, the whole thing is weird. And, and whether Trump's assigned to it or not, the issue is there's actual boards being set up. I think the first one's in England. It happened like seven months ago. They're like, we really got to look into this. Like kids are disappearing. There's things really happening. There's the whole island, Jeffrey Epstein. And it's just staying out of the press. And it's gross. None of them. How do you walk into politics and decide what party to pick when every single one of them are worth millions of dollars. They have better health care than us. They have better salaries than the average American. And they've been doing it for, I mean, you know what I mean? I, I, so I didn't really want to go down the political road because the reality is, is that we're, I, I, I told you I do remodeling. I do uh, historical remodeling. I was lead certified for five years. The EPA and OSHA have extreme standards that aren't theoretical about what kind of mass filters respirators actually stop you from getting 0.1 to 0.2 micron particles. And you know how many people out there don't know how big this alleged coronavirus is? By the way, yes, there is a virus. Yes, people do die. But isn't it is, we should all just have a chat about how we've cured influenza and every other disease because nobody's dying of shit. And, they, and that, I, 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 so there's a lot of misdirection going on right now. And 
you know, where do we all go with it? There's like 1 million rabbit holes, right? Well, I'm glad the answer was the Rothschild somehow. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you, I got you, snuck that, you, you snuck that in there like I would, like as a Jew, I wouldn't notice. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, he's playing the card. Let's well, you it. did, you did do it. I'm not making it up. You did slip it in. Um, uh, that's not a Jew card. That's exactly what it that's is. It's usually Jew- 99% a Jew card. But anyway, oh, Gary, uh, I'm, I've, I've been texted that, uh, quote, my waifu pillow needs a scrub down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was texted that at least 20 minutes before he played the Jew card, or I did. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that was all you. I I don't, Adam, I don't go for that. If you, if you want to talk about it, we could talk about it, but it has nothing to do with uh, uh, the, in fact, the co my co studio host here is uh, where I'm sitting. This is uh, you played the wrong card. You did. You you don't know why, but the reality is, is that the monetary system of this world is run by a set of families. It's irrelevant to religion and it has nothing to do with being Jewish. So I want that on the record. But See, we, we, look, we look at the Rothschilds and, and things over here in Australia and we have no relevance to race because we're not like America that's very racial like that. So ours yeah. is simply that these people have a business. Well, the Bank of England. And, and, and we are their business. The Rockefellers know. aren't Jewish. No, but yeah, when you so, drop the Rothschilds, it's, it's a specific... Uh, I know, it has uh, a connotation. Dog, dog whistle. It's uh, very specific. That's why I made the joke about are you going to drop George Soros' name next? <laughs> oh, okay. I would have to remember that in Australia. Yeah, I've never heard that actually. They don't have Jews in Australia. I, I don't. I don't think well, we have lots to... of Jews. <laughs> no, I, I don't we, we, we don't. We don't segregate business people by what race they are. We segregate ourselves as ourselves. Doesn't matter how much money they've got or what race they are. They're just still an asshole. No, but I think it's very important that the monetary system of the world is privately owned. It has nothing to do yeah. with any. Uh, in fact, from what I've been able to discern about the families that own the banking system, they could give a shit about whose religion is what. These people consider themselves in a class of their own, uh, that whether it's the Rothschilds, the, the Morgans, the Stanleys, the, uh, the Rockefellers, all of the ones that privately own the banking system, they don't care about us. And it has nothing to do with a religion or a general race of people. These, this, these organizations are way beyond our daily control. And so uh, it's irrelevant. Uh, It's, uh, but it's a problem. Like you're saying, it it breaks my heart. Your point originally about listening to someone trying to pray away their sexual preferences, uh, your race, uh, and like you're even uh, half joking, but sensitivity to race. I was raised uh, very, it, it, it's infuriating to me that you would dare tell someone what their sexual preference is or that their personal religion has anything to do with what kind of a human being they are is disgusting to me. I, yeah. I, I, and, and it's distracting us all. We all end up fighting at these uh, ridiculous levels while why don't we just look at who has all the, uh, like the majority of the power and the, and, and an irrelevant amount of money, the power. And it's like, wow, we are, we are all quarantined and look at us. We're just sitting here, uh, uh, obeying or listening for the most part. And there's a group of people that are just taking it to the bank. Just pisses me off. Oh, that's a whole nother issue, right? 
<laughs> yeah. And Gary gathered us all here. How much money is he getting out of this whole thing? <clears throat> Jeffers, yeah, 91st yeah. episode. <laughs> I have yet to make a dime off this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll watch your movie, Adam, for sure. I would yeah, say, can you send a link to it? I'm fascinated about your podcast where you like tell life coaches they're full of it. Like, what? yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah oh, no, awesome. I, I don't actually have one. I just, I just interview them and then record oh, it. <laughs> Dude, I would pay you for just that. Stash it. But it's, yeah. it's, re- it's <laughs> research. It's research to make sure stuff is accurate. Just the same way that I uh, try to talk to QAnon people for the same reason. Yeah. So you must meet some that are like, you know, life coaches to me. It's like, I don't even know what that means, but. But um, there, there must be some people that you talk to that you go, yeah, they are legit. That's cool. Uh, well, there's some people that I talk to who are actually who are actually therapists. Sure. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's real. Yeah. Um, so my film, I'm I'm bringing up the link. It'll be playing, I guess, here for the next day, and then the rest of it is on. Uh, will be on the website, which is the movie, you know, wait, wait, don't kill me.com. Beautiful. Um, yeah, it, there is a conspiracy theory discussion in the movie, but it is not. Um, what, did that go through? Yeah, it did. Okay. Um, uh, it, it does not focus so much on, you know, religion so much as uh, uh, the, the notion of how poor people uh, attack other poor people and how that, uh, hurts them sort of a variation on the scene in parasite. That's sort of about the same thing. Um, if you guys seen parasite, the best picture winner mm-hmm. from last year, but basically about how, uh, um, the rich pit the poor against each other, uh, through sort of a trickle down economics kind of theory, but it's also, Absolutely. uh, you know, desperate poor people fighting with each other sort of being distracted. Cause I'm always, you know, the, the, the most perceptive quote about American, Americans, I guess, really, that I've ever heard is from Lyndon Johnson. Uh, it was a, I realize that American history may not be your forte, but he was the president in the 60s. Um, and uh, he said, um, and I'm going to paraphrase because it, it's a, uh, so the, the, some of the colloquialisms are not uh, appropriate anymore, but basically he said, uh, uh, show me the poorest white man. And uh, if you get, if you get him to point his finger uh, down at the poorest black man, he'll, he'll not only vote for you, he'll empty his pockets for you. Um, essentially, uh, as long as you give a poor person someone to look down on, you'll distract them from the, what the real goal yep. is. Yep. Yep. And it, so the movie is sort of about make, that too, but go ahead. Yeah. Anything to make them feel like they're not rock bottom. You know, it's like an alcoholic comes for treatment. It's like, well, what level of rock bottom is your rock bottom? Is your rock bottom when you are, um, you know, the strong core is it because an alcoholic will always drink with someone that drinks more than them until there's no one that drinks more than them and they're alone and they're vomit in the gutter. Right. Right. So it's that same, it's that same, same thing of, of if you, if you allow someone to look down on somebody else, they don't feel like they're the bottom of the ship pile. It works the same in corporations, mm-hmm. right? It works the same in organizations. And, you know, we find this a lot. It's insidious behavior in, in organizations here where, um, you know, you can treat someone like shit, but someone's being treated shitter, so they're doing okay. And they will, they will then keep their mouth shut, fly under the radar, not say anything because they don't want to get down to that level. And then you have this whole organization that all the way, except for the five guys at the top, 
is everyone's basically abused. Right. But to more levels all the way down. So, yeah. But I, I actually do, I do have to go because I actually do work in the morning um, and my girlfriend wants to go to bed. But thank you very much, Gary. Thanks for coming See on, man. And everybody else. Dude, nice, to, nice to meet you, Adam. I'm going to check out your stuff for sure. All right. Bye. Good night. Bye. Have a good one. Oh, we're getting fringier. Yeah. yeah Adam was kind of the voice of the skeptic. For <laughs> sure. That sort of bubbled up there for a minute. It was like, whoa. <laughs> now we're getting into biofield, aliens, and me, who is also an explorer of these matters. Um, you know what? I am curious about something, Gary, though, and in light of this being your... 90 100th episode um is there anything from you know because jared certainly just blew my mind in like seconds jared always um, blows my mind <laughs> and angie kind of blows my mind too like like all constantly um is there anything gary that you were kind of like unsure of or skeptical about before you interviewed a guest that 91 shows in you're like you know what I never thought UFOs were real or I never thought ghost spirits could talk. And after interviewing this person, now I do. Like, what's a good example of that? I'm curious. Um, I would have to say um, life after death. man. I mean, after doing, I don't know, 20 episodes on NDEs and maybe like another 15 with, with spirit mediums, I definitely believe that consciousness will exist after death. And plus, wow. I had my own experience, which I talked to Angie about last night. Yeah. With, 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 I had yeah, so we just, we to watch just ran one of my podcasts with him. Yeah, it'll come out soon. So, so, so yeah, like, I'm 100% convinced on that. Where, you know, at, at first, like, I would say, like, maybe, like, even like five years ago, I was kind of skeptical. I mean, I had been a paranormal investigator and played with the occult and all that stuff, but I yeah. was never 100% sure. And um, then after I had the, that seizure experience, I'm still skeptical, but after doing all these podcasts and listening to all the different experiences, there has to be something after this. Wow. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Cause that, that tells me also that there's really just nothing to be afraid of. We can just hang out and have a good time. Yeah. Jared, where are you at on life after death? Well, it ties into the, remember I said that group collective human consciousness. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons uh, that everybody talks about that 26,000 year cycle of all of us like reaching an epoch and then like suddenly being back in the stone age and banging rocks together. I think what's more likely is that as we've been uncovering in Guatemala with those LIDAR scans and those 60,000 buildings and realizing that uh, archaeologists are starting to identify that South America, Central America are places where cultures may have come from and that we have grossly underestimated the populations and it could have been in the tens of millions at a minimum. And so mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that I think that imagine a highly advanced human society that not only terraformed down to engineered soil, but connected together via synesthesia, like the five senses, being able to actually communicate directly mind to mind. And also having that data point of being able to store your data within a human body. So you ever wonder why it is that everybody who remembers a past life, they were always Cleopatra. They were never Bill no. the shit farmer. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Heaps of mine are, are come back and they're, they're just shit the farmer. Can I yeah, tell you see, one little one on that? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's because I'll, I'll take, yeah, go for it. Oh, my, my son went back to a life and um, I'm like, where are you? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm in the forest. And yeah, it's like, it's like South America. And he's describing it as South American forest. And you know, you're there alone. He's like, oh, no, I got my friend with me and he named him. And he said, yeah, it's a monkey. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, we're looking for food. So I went back, go to an early happy memory of that life. So he was young. So they're looking for food. So I said, oh, cool. Go through that life and go, go forward in that life. Go forward to another happy memory. You know, you're older. Where are you? In the forest. Are you alone? Yes. How old are you? About 18. What are you doing? Looking for food. Like he spent his whole existence. These are the two happiest memories from that life is foraging for food in that forest. And he, he died soon after. I have many, many people that go back to just very boring lives, but they all took something from that life. So no, I, think it I think it depends on, on where, where you're going. Yeah. Where you're going. And so oh, the reason I brought it up is because there are people who will say, well, I was a farmer and I lived in a certain place. And then they, there have been examples of people finding foundations and being able to identify it. Well, it wasn't just a farm. It was a dairy farmer, et cetera. So yeah. the idea of consciousness being a collective human uh, experience, we've even proved that we can hand down memories, things that we might call instincts right now. But imagine you and I talking and God forbid one of us gets wiped off the planet. Uh, what if the chances are that collectively and the reason that people scratch their heads and say well why is it that we seem to be accelerating again the Wim Hof stuff the Steak severance and stuff why is it that we seem to be getting back to these superhuman abilities and this connectiveness and these abilities like synesthesia what's going on and what I think is and then the the mystification of rebirth I think there's a possibility that there's enough people on the planet that has now upped the RAM memory so far that we have the ability to rediscover our higher functions. But I think we might be each other's backups that the reality is that the consciousness ourselves is actually floating between all of our DNA. And that, so does this come back to biofield energy? Well, so, so biofield so bio energy is a horse on the other side of the world can contact me and say, I'm in a paddock, I'm in trouble, get hold of my owner who's standing right next to me and get them to come and do this. So yeah, biofield so energy is when I'm doing a reading or a hypno session with Greg Bornstein in Massachusetts. Yeah, anyway. Cape Cod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I'm able to see the memories that he's getting in his brain from his past lives as he's seeing them over there. Is, is that yeah. what you're talking about? So this unconscious level, basically, that, that consciousness is what we call biofield or consciousness or whatever name we want to give it. Yeah, there's a chance that part of that might be uh, you, like somebody could focus on a past life and it might not be theirs. It's just that they were either fascinated by an area or something yeah. and they're helping draw in, they're channeling that collective yeah. consciousness yeah. and that conduit may not be that it was their past life or their yeah. personal past experience. It could be part, it could be the real person and their experience but it might not be theirs, but that we, that's the part of this adventure that we don't have nailed down yet. Yeah. And, 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 that, so for, and that's what I call that biofield. Is that yeah, like so part I think of like a is, soul group yeah. or something? Like, like when you say like different groups of people reincarnate together and like maybe they share memories together. 
Well, like Sufis, mm-hmm. like the Sufis, like in the Middle East, like they, they had collective group memory, uh, not only memory conscious, but like a collective dreaming where they like all dream together. And, uh, that, and that's been around for what, maybe over a thousand years, yeah. maybe longer. So I, I, th- I think what you have is you have, for example, um, my connection is stronger to people that I've connected with and we've done like a, an attunement, right? We've connected our radio station in. You know what I mean? Like a two-way radio. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll have groups of people that do that. And then you have outer groups of that, which are sort of slowly part in that station. And then you have other ones that just randomly in on your radio channel will come this divine invention that you do or this song you write and you go, what the hell? I'm not even a songwriter. Right. And there it is. So I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think that right now we're in the middle of this discovery where we're like, okay, yeah. well, Again, we're all discerning this with 10 to 14% consciousness. So it's like, yeah. boy, that's what's terrifying about this potential larger secret gray state where it's like, look, they're using the same 10%. So yeah. no one's making good decisions if we don't collectively come out in the open and start working together. Not a good idea, I don't think. And it does relate to where we are because we're still, we're taking mythologies that are written by very creative and bored and they didn't have cable TV humans and we're killing each other still over religious and or personal philosophies that are, we should not be killing each other. Right. So you had a book idea, Angie, what was that? You said, or a movie idea. You said you had an idea for a show. Oh, look, I, I, just before last Christmas, I, I kept getting a stream for about two months saying you're going to be writing a movie and I'm like, whatever. And, um, and it just came, it came, it basically took me about three weeks, just got up every day writing the movie. And it's a movie about um, how to change the way the world thinks and mm-hmm. basically coming to fix all of this shit of everything going to the negative, how to fix it is either we need to send aliens down and therefore they won't believe in their government anymore. They'll, they'll sort of override all of that crap and get on with reality. Or let's give everyone on the planet a near-death experience, right? And a fucking life review. So they put this movie for me and they showed it to me through the eyes of a psychopath who's there. He hates this politician and he just, he just hates weak people. And he's out there to kill this politician and he uh, loves, loves destroying women, you know, taking them down, being the sweet guy and then just, just having sex with them and throwing them away. So he goes through this, he has his near-death experience when he's about to shoot that politician. The whole world rumbles, oxygen's taken out, or like whatever that scenario is. And he goes through this near death and it takes him through all these lives and how all of his lives are connected with everyone else's lives, including the dog that he kicked in the alleyway and the stake that he threw the dog later on um, and the cow that it went and everything is interlooped. It's really amazing. Anyway, I just, just wrote, 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 wrote. And in the end, he is basically shown how um, uh, you've you got to fix this because because this is where you're going, right? And they show him just all these different areas of the hell they've got created for him too. And yeah, so he goes through that and he comes back a bit. He, he actually, um, yeah, he goes and tries to make it right. But all of these other people experienced him and their death experience too. So it's, it's just this big whole conglomeration. Anyway, this whole thing was written in like six weeks. Um, and I've, I've pitched it to the Hollywood guys and they're just kind of like, Okay, so it's a movie seen through the eyes of the psychopathic. It, it, it's too wrong, you know? Like, 
quite, how can you feel pity for a psychopath? It's like, it's not about feeling pity for a psychopath. It's actually about just understanding the nature of things. And anyway. Oh my but gosh, yeah, you so need written, to make this movie it's sitting happen. here. Well, I sent it out to, um, to one person. It actually offended someone that read it who had been raped. So she was angry at first and then she came back and she said, it just opened up this whole thing and I just went, and she said, I actually was able to let it go. So healed her. So you know, it, it, actually, well, it might be interesting to, well, you could yeah. do the movie or that, that short story of how the story affected, you could do a yeah. whole movie just about people reading it and their reactions and yeah. that, that yeah. kind of story would be an interesting Absolutely. I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to do a reading of it in like one of these where everyone takes a character. Like it's, it's really good. I'd, I'll send you guys a copy if you want. You can sort of decide whether it's like fucking weird or not, but it's good. Yeah. You can listen to my audition for your movie on episode, uh, which one was it, Gary? It was called Everything Imaginable. I Get Sweet Revenge on Greg Bordstein. That's actually my audition <laughs> for this film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that sounds awesome. That that's very cool, Angie. I yeah. I love that. It'd be cool, cool to do a reading, I think. And now we you got know, just Shannon. all set up with glasses, set up with glasses of wine and food, and read our parts. And, there you uh, go, yeah. Shannon. She can act. Dude, we got to get Shannon. Yeah. I I just sort of be like a person in the background. <laughs> like like one of those extras. I'm just an extra. <laughs> Yeah, what part is you, Gary? You, 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 you could be the, um, what is it, the regular extra and just coming through a shot as like the fuzzy tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah. Greg, what do you, Greg, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I basically just stole Gary's podcast and did the same thing. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, um, I, I, I similar kind of content. It's, uh, I, I host a podcast called open loops. It is about lifelong curiosity, man. It is about the fringe kind of stuff. Like I really love entertaining um, all sorts of fringe topics, but also like to me, fringe isn't just the topic. It's like taking something normal like an actor and looking for the weirdness in the normal. So open loops is kind of about that. It's like looping. I, I coined the term like intellectually escapist, where it's like, what can actually like getting off on mind blowing conversations and sort of finding the mind blowing in the normal and then the normal in the mind blowing. It's yeah, this looping. is called NPR. <laughs> it's NPR that I just created NPR um, but it's also it comes from hypnosis open loops is a term from hypnosis I have a hypnosis background in addition to an acting background and um, the great hypnotist as Angie fully knows master this technique where they lead you down a path of wondering and then they let your brain kind of open up to a possibility and then they fill it in or they don't fill in the answer. So your brain kind of like has to, your subconscious fills in the gap. I'm fascinated by what you want to, what the setup, what's between the setup and the punchline. My show kind of delves into that. 
that intrigues me, that curiosity. So, um, yeah, man. And what does that mean? Sure, I'll have you on. I'll have Gary on to talk about like his show. I'll have Angie <laughs> hypnotize me on an episode. I had a guy come on that was like a vocal cartoonist that just like did dirty sound effects the whole show. Like to me, fringe can be anything and curiosity can be everything. And it's a celebration of that. So, um, I don't know, man. I, I think oh, I'm I, fringe, am I? <laughs> you are, dude. You you Whoa. telepathically communicate with horses. Come on. Oh, That's pretty that. fringe, but it's beautifully fringe. I think it's a beautiful uh-huh. fringe thing. Um no, fringe and we know this. I mean, Gary's show is called Everything Imaginable. Like it's everything imaginable. Like he wants to have a time traveler and a necromancer on his show. Like which I, which I booked a necromancer. <laughs> I can't believe I asked somebody, somebody actually, tur- that's one of my other guests turned me on to a necromancer. <laughs> that is uh, the most wild thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, Gary, you've managed to, uh, I think you've pulled like the worst of every potential, I mean, uh, uh, every kind of, <laughs> I, what, what the hell did we just all cover, including having to <laughs> not have a race riot? <laughs> <laughs> I heard you. You were thinking it. No, I wasn't. That wasn't the yeah. point at all. <laughs> you really did bring a lot point. of people. Yeah, you brought in no, a mix of but, people. But that's like, that's like saying, so there was three Ford cars in an accident. <laughs> and, and then someone sort of goes, and, and you're talking about the accident, and then someone's going, hey, how come you picked Ford cars? And you go, oh, I don't know. That was just the cars in the accident. But go, no, no, no. I can't do it. Well, I'm not yeah. talking about the accident. I'm talking about what happened after the accident. Right, it's, it's right. Kind of like a, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I didn't know that was going to be a hot topic there that, uh, well, I assumed everybody in the company here, you know, it's, how, you know, when you do everything imaginable, or like you said, when you loop things, or Angie, we all like all of us in our own research and our own experimentation, we've all, we've all, you can't not come across all of it. I mean, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's That's crazy. True. You can't just be in a little, it can't just be I would love to just have my head just, you know, little blinders and just yeah. go one direction. Uh, but the complexities of how everything interweaves and then Absolutely. everything. But that's, every- that's the beautiful thing about it. That's what keeps you waking up every day is that it's yeah. um, e- evolving as a, as a brain and a mind and a way of thinking and, and a thought pattern. And that's and it. Sort of like, like yeah. hey, hey, fuck you. you you're going to write a, a film script. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And and then so like come on then bring it in I'll be open and like sitting there and then reading back going oh, fuck that's like head shit man like that's like okay that was fun next that's and the thing mind expansion as a pleasurable activity yeah that yeah. is like why some people I'm write some people write music yeah. some people do art some people do to me it's about having an adventure of everything like people say to me God you know you're 56 years old you've done like so much in your life, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a sculptor, I'm a, you know, you've done all of these different jobs. It's like, and I'm like, cause I just love the adventure. You know, I love to yes. learn something new and it's, and it's like expanding that. And, and, and the same with ways of thinking of, of expanding your way of thinking, like what I've heard from you today is like, wow, that's a whole new journey that I can look at, but it's been back there. sort of like, so where are these? Like, like what is the aliens and why are they not? And, and, you know, myself having sort of that thought of like, Wow, did I time travel with that particular thing that happened there? Or oh, do you know what I mean? And and being open to it, not not saying, well, it doesn't happen because I haven't personally experienced it. 
It's about saying, right. well, go and learn about it. Do what you can and see what happens. Yeah, you know what's interesting about you, Jared? I mean, uh, here's what I sort of found. This is what it, this is what I was picking up on. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that. <laughs> Nothing else is just this. <laughs> no, no, no. This is interesting. Like, you do the thing that, and I, I had someone on my show the other day that, like, went three and a half hours talking about deep state stuff and, like, <sighs> Pizzagate and, you know, all the all of it. All Trump being a light worker, all the stuff. Um, oh, wow. It, but, but here's what's interesting. Like, I feel like, Jared, you do this, and Alex Jones does this, and this guy did this. You have the ability to speak stream of conscious in a way that sounds like it, it's just like like you are the vessel and the thoughts are just pouring out of you in long <laughs> strand connecting sentences. And I do wonder, and, and, you know, even listening to some of Gary's shows and me listening to other paranormal shows over the years, like, what exactly is going on there? Why are people like you that are more connected to the spiritual energy able to just like just spew it out and really have new things to say and also just constantly mind expanding things like like is that are are you evidence of the awakening Jared? I guess. Are, are you a conduit? <laughs> Are you a conduit? <laughs> like, it seems like you might be. He definitely, I, I we, he definitely is. He's definitely <laughs> part of the plan. I, I think that we, I think we all are. It's got to be that it's a, look. It's a. It, it starts with all of us having these questions and all of us wanting an answer, and 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 it's going to the science museum and staring how many millions of hours at every mummy or dinosaur or, yeah. or every whatever 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 movie or book or anything else we look at, fictional or otherwise, and. But then it's also, there's a reason I said I like to climb and that I practice the Wim Hof because I think that it's a combo of having that questioning mind and doing the podcast that like what you're doing, hearing all these different ideas and then being present. And like Angie's actually like connecting, like it's not just, a, there's a field that every, all of us can tap into, and there, but it's not just one. And mm. so it's, a, I think that all of us have, this is one of the things I'm talking about with people is that each of us have this ability to reconnect, but it comes from learning it, but then getting up. And even if you can't, even if you don't go rock climbing or something, uh, be active, Cl move, movement, yeah. like Ido yeah. Portal and Erwin LaCour, yeah. go yeah. move, learn movement complexity, connect your mind and your feet, literally back to the ground. Sounds super hippie, mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. get barefoot, play Frisbee, be present, not yeah. because nature is yeah. a woo-woo nature thing, but because it's actually part of our programming. And between all these conversations, that evolution in your own mind, it'll just yeah. keep, it's the physical and the mind that it'll come together through brain entrainment. I, yeah, totally, I, I totally agree. Like, you, you, you can people, see where it comes together when, when people create cancer in their body and then they heal it by using yeah, their mind. Thought. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that and, happens. And, 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 and working on the earth and climbing things like that is, is your earthing. And what I have a problem with is that too many people are, are living too far out in the stratosphere here and they're not grounded, right? So they're just like, flippy, flippy, oh, yeah. ground. Yeah, they're aware of it. Bring it in. Yeah, like, yeah they're doing, aware, but they're not connecting. Sorry, Gary, yeah. what were yeah. you going to say? Uh, I was just going to say like doing physical activity is like where most of my ideas come from. Like when I'm yeah. at work and like, like people ask like, well, like, why do you just do this stupid job making orange juice? You know, but <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's right. like where I come up with like the best ideas. It's just 
this, this, yeah. you know, doing that repetitious physical work. So that's a form of meditation and getting it, it into that zone. Something up in yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's very yeah, meditative. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think it's really fun because all of us keep having these exposures that there's a little more light, a little more light, a little more light. But it's I do think there's something to the amount. We're not even did you realize that if you took every human being on the planet and just gave them like an acre, it would fit in about two Texases. The entire planet is literally empty from people. If you if you gave everybody an acre. Mm. And stuck them all in one area, it would take up like two Texases. That's it. That's what w- would happen if we round up to eight billion people. We are not overpopulated. Wow. The, the, it, think about it that way. It has nothing to do. We have the food, we have the money, we have the ability to feed everyone. The issue isn't that. But at the same time, again, what is the only other answer than the actual amount of bioenergy, the human complexity of the of our brain and energy and what we are mm. disconnected to this entire, like the Nazca lines and the, uh, again, the Bolivian Nazca lines, which they have lines just like Nazca. I'm not talking about the giant monkeys and, and, and graffiti. I'm talking about the really long straight lines, uh, the high tech earth circuitry from this ancient past and this engineered soil that wasn't just about growing food, but it filtered heavy metals. It, it filtered uh, carbon dioxide. It did piezoelectric. So it's connecting to the buildings they were building, which were meant to withstand earthquakes, but also maybe Whoa. transfer energy. So all of us connected mentally. And now here's this 8 billion people and we're rediscovering because what else could it be other than the amount of brain capacity back on the planet is creating that, uh, uh, I, okay, I don't want to say spiritual, but that spiritual conscious space for all of it to collectively re-unfold on itself. That's mm. what we're reaching back up to, I think. That's the epoch we're headed towards. But Absolutely. it's not, yeah, so I just think we're, but we're still in safe mode, you know? I mean, we're, we're getting results. We're banging on uh, a, a giant light board and it's really the control panel to like a 747, but we're but it's, it's having a reaction and we're getting a consistent one, but we don't comprehend fully what it is. We're not mm. connecting our genetic abilities back to what they were part of. And we can't because the machines that we were using, whether it is the Great Pyramid or whether it was the actual network of trees and plants together with animals, we were actually all, this was an engineered system. We are so far from understanding that. So but we have these drives, like you're saying, we're, we're actually this curiosity, this excitement every day to wake up. Like Angie was saying, this excitement to renew. We're not, you're, we're not just one job. We're not just one idea. We're all, uh, it, it seems like we're all, are, doesn't it feel like just between you and Greg and Gary and Angie, isn't there just like this ability, like, do you see a limit to what you can try or do anymore? Like there's these, no. these new things that you can try and take no. on. No, I can do anything I, we want. I, but it's happening. Like, I think more and more people are doing it. They're not just mm. confined to, you know, I did this one thing for 40 years and I, I just did, you're not just doing orange juice. You know, you're not just doing a job. You're not just, you're not just defined by one thing. It's not about, Oh, I have a lot of hobbies. No, I mean like we're, we're feeling more grounded and connected to each other. I think, I think it's happening. I, I'm not trying Absolutely. to be yeah. half full. Right. Yeah. That doesn't sound. And, and you know, look, look to me. To me, one of the great examples of this is is when they had um, they took a monkey off an island, and this island was thirty kilometers from the nearest island, and they had all of these islands that had monkeys on them. 
and they took this monkey away and they taught it how to wash its fruit before it ate it. Uh, the and they put it back. Theory. Yep. And, and, they, and they put it back on the island and within a day, the whole island was washing their fruit. And then within three days, they actually found that an island 30 kilometers away, all of the monkeys were washing their fruit there. So, so to, me, to, me, that's a, that, to me, that's a great example of, of how our thinking is changing and how we're kind of, you know, like, like, like ideas that in the 80s would have been so foreign to people, people just would have gone, what a nutter. Whereas now they're kind of like, well, okay, I, you know, I've, I've heard stuff about that. I, do you know what I mean? They're, they're not so, so stonewalled and, and, and stuck in there now. They're, they're kind of becoming open because our information avenues are coming. So we're, we're intaking more and so our brains are processing faster. And, you know, we, we've gone from a little, you know, a, a floppy disk to now, you know, we've got at least a USB in there. Well, watching like a year and a half year old, not a three year old, not a two and a half year old, but watching a kid that can barely crawl, open up a DVD player and put in a DVD. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How? Yeah. how? Why? Yeah. yeah. Why can they do my, that? My, my right? one year old, my one year old grandson getting on the iPad, going to the game, opening the game and playing the game. Like, like just turned one. Yeah. Well, and how is it that they know what side is down? Like they figured the whole thing out. Uh, or and then more and more babies it was first it was weird oh this baby was just born it has a full set of hair oh and it also said mom or dad or you know it's like okay well they got the whole the headsets on the babies you know on in the womb with the mozart going you know there's something to all of that but oh our 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 memories of this are so there's a reason i think we're drawn to certain stories and movies there is something in our memory our genetic shared memory there's a reason lord of the rings is a well-loved movie or there's just it's not that it happened like that but that there is we have denisia events neanderthals uh the paracas these elongated skull people that are actually born the way they're born and there's too many legends and stories of shorter uh dwarf-like people and or giants and by giants you know maybe six maybe not six feet but maybe nine ten twelve feet tall and either way we're talking uh something that we're drawn to not just because oh well we just like this range of harmonies in music or we just like these stories i I think it all ties to a long-standing genetic memory of something that we're all past life familiar with but it might just not be our past life it could be you know, a lot of what you remember of who you are is not contained within you. It's contained somewhere else, yeah. but we now myths. Yeah. So here we are with like, uh, well, there's reincarnation. Well, but yeah. there might be a sliver of truth within the Hindu, you know, within that perspective, yeah. there's a sliver of truth in the in long the lives one. in the Bible. Right. <clears throat> and then there's yeah. a sliver of truth in the Anunnaki having a yeah. King's list with 260,000 years for only, you know, eight to 12 Kings. And then, Okay, well, but in all of it, it's all echoing some larger truth that, yeah, if we're willing to accept the data, here's the thing, it's not magical. There's anatomically correct humans that are being found millions of years old. Uh, Sites, uh, engineered soil, there's so many things that are showing. It pretty much looks like uh, prior human civilization made it way past where we are now. Yeah. And that includes- Have you ever ever read Tuesday Rampalopsang? Just, it resonated with me. Oh, no, what is that? Uh, Tuesday Rampalopsang. He he's uh, an English guy that that um, truly believed that he was a uh, Tibetan monk that had been his body was so injured that he was re put back into this 
English guy who was actually an asshole in real life. And this guy's oh. wife turned around and said, okay, you're someone different because my husband was an asshole. And anyway, and, and he wrote all of these books, but he, he did a great description. I can't remember which one it is, but great series of books. And he Would you uh, forward me? Of, yeah, forward yeah, me yeah, something sure. on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, his description was, was the, the, the closest one that, that actually resonated with me and actually made my room rumble around me. Of, and, and he's talking about that basically gardeners came here, you know, and set it up. And then they put, you know, when it first came, it was all sort of very red and there were like big red lobster type things. And, and then, you know, as things settled down and carbon was taken out, they, you know, trees with, with big, huge leaves, you know, cleared the carbon and all that sort of stuff. So kind of like a cross between so many things and he talked about you know these times now where we would be working less and we would be working from home and our families would be more people would be sharing jobs and all this sort of stuff but um just a really interesting read and, oh, and you know you've got you've, you've got books like like was it muriel all or someone or about the girl that was cast out from the tribe she was she was a big tall one and they were little short ones because she was an orphan and then they had an earthquake and they blamed her for the earthquake and they threw her out and she was out on the steps on her own. God, what's that book? Great books. But everyone I know that's read that book are like, oh, I felt like I'd lived that life. I felt like I'd been there. And I'll find those ones too. But yeah, just um, we, we resonate with things that have no relevance to our life now, yet we, mm. we resonate to it. Like, like people are crying through this book and knowing that they've lived that life somewhere. Yeah, I think I think those are true memories of some kind, yeah. and we're just yeah. we don't even know how to process it yet. I, yeah. I don't think, but it's I I don't think it's good to be closed to any idea Absolutely. that uh, again. This is why I think it's so important to self experiment to not not just try you know try try on ideas, but also you know get up, get mm. out, and really be be active in your own life and exploration mm. of it. Don't yeah. stop questioning. It's Absolutely. it's important for us to stay young, too. Yeah, yeah. It's just a state Absolutely. of mind. Yeah, well, I don't think I'm doing too bad for 57. Oh, uh, uh, I would have guessed not even close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're, Aust- you're the same age as my son. Sorry. Uh, oh please, you're 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 the hot Australian Jenny McCarthy. Come on. <laughs> uh, I'm tuning yeah, in. So- I'm tuning into your show. <laughs> yeah, where where are you at uh, in Australia? So I'm in Canberra. Okay, so that's where. Yeah, I've I've been to Australia twice uh, for a month. Oh, okay, had a shot. Yeah, right. so it was uh, it was uh, I was on the Gold Coast for a while, and then yeah, I lived uh, there for many years. Yeah, it's very nice. And then drove down to uh, uh, Melbourne and yep. spent a lived lot of time, and uh, I, and then ended up in the Yarra River Valley and. Uh, did climb Mount, was it Bolin, the Mount Bolin, Bolvin or Bolin, the mountain that you can ski on. I can't remember the name of it. It's, it's not too far from, uh, Oh, Bula. Oh, Bula. Yeah. yeah. Bula. Cause a lot of people do not know you can ski in Australia. Now we have a time to promote yeah. ski, what, ski travel to Australia. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, where, where I live, there's a ski field an hour away and there's um, a surf beach an hour away the other way. So. That's so crazy. Sharks at one end and hypothermia the other. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Chasms the other. Yeah. Will Australia yeah, let us right. come visit right now? Will you guys let us in? No, I look, I, I have been saying this all the way through. It's like, unless you guys take this seriously, you are going to be shut out from the rest of the world for many, many years. 
And you know, while you're all in the, or, or not, not you guys, but while people are going, oh, we shouldn't have to do this, you know, just let it run rampant. And, and that's what your president has just said he's going to do. He's just going to let it run its toll. <laughs> then the rest of the world will not have you anywhere near it. We had one case in Melbourne a couple of months ago, and it was a security guard who was the guard in a hotel over um, people that had come back in from overseas and had to um, isolate. And he slept with one of the guests there and then he snuck her out and took her home to meet his family. And within a month, we had something like 600 cases from that one thing. So they have shut Melbourne down again and it's been horrific for them, but people are like, you know, they opened up too early before. And, um, and so people are actually finally taking it seriously. And I think it was yesterday is the first day that they have had no recorded cases in Melbourne and in Victoria. But with Victoria, with even those cases, Victoria has been locked off from the rest of the country. We will not let them across those borders. They are not allowed into the rest of the country for the last three months. So that's how seriously a lot of the world takes this. And, and to have America just say, ah, bring it on. It's like, well, bring it on, but on your own time. You, you will not be traveling anywhere. You know, no one's going to let you in. So that's what you get, you know, like a child, you know, uh, that's your action. You want to draw on the wall. Oh, you'll get a smack, right? You're and, talking you know, like we all believe come. this is the way, though, Andrew. Do you think all three of us are? No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Not you guys. I'm That's talking about you as in your, as in your like president, as in your yeah. president who's just been on the air, you know, two days ago saying, let's just let it run. You do know, you think we, the rest we, of the world looks like this? Like, like, do, does the, like, I do think, you know, because I hear a lot, my mom, uh, she's always like, oh, yeah, the rest of the world is laughing at us or whatever. Um, and I wonder but, if... But actually, we find it quite terrifying. I wonder if people can discern, though, the difference between Trump, people are laughing at Trump, and people are laughing at Americans. Ah, uh, yeah. Not no, everybody... Because, all, look, all of our footage here is your Trump supporters going, oh, you know, it's a matter of the door, yeah, yeah, for him. And yeah, if he doesn't win it, we're just going to kill all the other guys. Yeah. Oh, dang. So that's how we see you. Like, that's what's on our news, you know? Trump's but of course, none yeah. of it matters. We'll, we'll just go kill, kill Biden, <laughs> you know? Okay. <laughs> the deep state's in charge, man. We all know. Yeah. yeah Wait. So it's just really sad. But I mean, most of us have intelligent friends over there. So we realize that you're not all, you know. Well, what about all, Sweden? Uh, they never shut down. What do you do with that? Yeah. yeah well, look at. Look, How's Sweden doing now? Not so good, right? Not doing so good now, right? Well, I guess if so, the big thing in America now is to avoid. Well, you can't rely on the CDC because they're controlled by Trump. And then it's like, well, what about the WHO? Because the WHO just published based on world population <laughs> statistics. Yep. What's very interesting is that the German numbers, which mm -hmm. account 8,600 8, something dead as of a few weeks ago, eight, that's it, by the way. And it's not because. So again, Germany's closing uh, down again, right? So they're uh, going into lockdown again. Well, UK's just gone into lockdown again. Sweden tens is of thousands out there saying protesting. we did the wrong thing and we are just in trouble. Yeah, but but that's all right. They'll be locked out of places. So so this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a divided world of clean and unclean. Like all of those movies you see, you know? Well, you just got to follow. The, the problem is, is that you have to follow the actual statistics of the death, the comorbidity, which is you have to have... Uh, you know, 2.6 comorbidities, the age of death. And then what the other thing is, don't, uh, instead of following feelings, 
And I'm not saying you are. I'm saying follow the statistics of who's dead and of what, and then look how many people we've magically cured influenza because there's no more influenza death. Uh, You know, I think the best meme that came out months ago was man killed by shark dies of COVID. So also the yeah, PC I saw that test. too. I saw that too. Right. But, so, but so look, I, I don't have a personal opinion on this. Yeah. What the question was that you asked me was, how does the oh, rest yeah. of the world look at it? So, so the rest yeah. of the world looks at you guys like, wow, you're going to be locked into your country for a long time. So, so my view and and, and our politicians' view is yeah. a whole different story. I don't actually have a view on all of this. To me, it's like I keep myself clean because I want to keep my grandkids clean. I wear a mask. I wash everyone that comes here into the clinic. Um, they clean their hands when they come in. You know, when it was when it was really big, when there was a lot of cases here, we had a tray out the front and people would put their, you know, step into the disinfectant before coming inside. And that's how we just dealt with it here. Like our whole city just, yeah, everyone just went and did it. So, so, you know, our view on it is different. But what I'm saying is the answer to your question is, yes, there is a different view of, of America in the rest of the world. And... To be honest with you, I guarantee you that you will be locked out of a lot of countries for a long time. Oh, crap. That's my there answer. you go, Greg. Yeah. You're not going nowhere. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know what? I'm going to go into the controversial territory here with what Jared is kind of mm. suggesting. Kind of suggesting. Because here's what I'm confused by. And believe me, I... Uh, I take issue with this because at the way beginning of the pandemic, like I was watching all the videos about how, you know, oh, this is just the flu and people were looking at the tests that they were doing and saying, well, is this really determining like it's code? Like there was a lot of, there was a lot of crap out there. And then there was, um, I mean, I don't know if it was crap or uh, Judy, uh, the person that, you know, that the, the uh, scan <laughs> pandemic like that came out for a little bit and got a lot of like, don't watch this. Da, 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 da. Okay. Here's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't have the numbers net total of how many, like something would make me believe if I were to see that the overall number people that have died in general because of diseases has gone up significantly not just COVID deaths. I mean, the overall number of deaths has gone up in a significant way. Then that would lead me to believe that like we have the flu and we have this COVID thing and there is an actual what is classified as pandemic. Don't know. I, I have actually wondered about that because, you know, that's sort of what the conspiracy angle is. They're like, has the number gone up really? Or are we just relabeling flu as So, so is, is what you're saying, like, my dad couldn't sue for asbestosis because it wasn't the asbestosis that killed him. It was the brain tumor that was created by the asbestosis. Is that what you're saying? Hmm. I guess what I'm saying is that, like... I see, I, uh, I don't know. Is that what I'm saying, Jared? <laughs> I think I was kind I of echoing what you were saying. I don't think that's what you're saying. I think what you're saying is, like, we, we need better data, really. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Data's there. And that's why and, I don't and, listen and to the data. Like, like I had COVID the, the data in, that's there and the data that we get is probably a whole different story, right? And, and I had COVID in January before they even said it was here. I had it. Hmm. So, yeah. I actually, I have... I have an Australia story for you, which happened because the New England Journal of Medicine and the Lancet Journal of Medicine, which are both very famous and very old 
uh, respected medical journals. And they had come out and said hydroxychloroquine and the ZPAC and uh, doing this uh, um, um, methodology of curing COVID wasn't going to work. There are, by the way, there's actual statistics from a region of Brazil that showed that they did not stop doing the ZPAC, zinc, and hydroxychloroquine, and their numbers and morbidities dropped. However, there were, because they were like, screw it, we're going to just keep trying it. But then the WHO had come out and said, well, you have to stop doing that. Hydroxychloroquine's bad. Okay. But the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine redacted that because the off uh, Guardian, the, um, the investigative paper, had actually called the six-person company, if you guys don't recall. There was a six-person company, including a sci-fi writer. Don't blame him for that. A porn star, a, uh, uh, a medical doctor who had and been they all went discredited. into a bar together. Sorry. No shit. And they <laughs> owned a six-person company, and they claimed that they had full access to all of this medical data. And the off-guardian specifically called the Australian hospital system because this six-person company, which by the time they were being interviewed and it became international news that got squashed, and this all happened about three months ago, they had called Australia and said, have you ever heard of this company? Because apparently they have all of your records of all of your COVID patients, and apparently you've shared all that secret data with them because this one company apparently had access to over a 1,000 hospitals worldwide, which the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine of all the places basically used social media to then declare, which the WHO then declared, that hydroxy was bad, to which then... Here comes the Lancet and the Gar after the Guardian article and the New England Journal of Medicine saying, uh, we got this wrong. We're retracting our info. And then the WHO immediately said, we're, re we're restarting tests, as you know, a couple months ago. We're restarting tests with over uh, about 3,500 uh, new test trials for hydroxy because uh, we got our data wrong. And if you aren't having that kind of a story in the real mainstream news, everyone's running around with, I'm telling you right now, a 0 0.1, 0 0.2 micron virus is not stopped by a, it is well known what a cloth mask can and cannot do. It's a screen door for, for, for smoke. It is not going to stop this virus, not one bit, not one ounce. And it's not a theoretical or wishful data on my part. These are facts, but People are so emotional that stories like this exact situation with Australia, with this American company that is literally guys that were just scamming for money, stopped the whole test trials of hydroxy through the WHO, which Brazil said, forget about it. The president, like him or don't like him, said, forget about the WHO. And here we are again with the WHO just announcing data that shows that with a, and the CDC and Germany and Sweden – and all the actual graphs and charts, it's everyone, I'm going to stop and just say this, that if people start looking at the data that is actually available and listen, not even deeply between the headlines, uh, this is a ridiculous situation that can only be predicated by people handling three-year-olds. And we are acting like it's the middle ages again, that if you stand on one left foot and put a, put a pillow on your face, that you're not getting a virus. This is insane. But that's my personal opinion. I oh have... man. Wow. So... Gary, that was, that, you <laughs> so got how, many, how many cases in your town at the moment? 
You know what's great about that? Thanks for asking. So I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is a incredibly liberal, at least according to our- Because there's none here and we've had none for months, right? Yeah, yeah. So here's the deal. Um, the PCR, which has also been proven, the PCR does not identify COVID. It identifies COVID, but not COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, the inventor of the test himself was said, and he's dead now, this is not going to identify you being, this is not a gold standard. Anyway, we have about 2,400 dead. Uh, 1,900 of them are over the age of 60 and died in nursing homes. Do you know what the average, now here's another statistic. Did you know that the average stay in a nursing home is approximately six months? Now, God bless some people who have been able to keep their loved ones alive longer, but the average stay is six months. And the average death, according to our American CDC, is a comorbidity factor of 2.6. The only people who have died in all of America, which is, by the way, made news, was 9,200 people, which is 400 more than what died in Germany. Why are the Germans particular about it? Well, to our prior guest point, the Germans have a thing about having integrity with what did people really die of? And the paleoanthropo the actual head of forensic uh, medicine of Hamburg, who actually did the dissections on every COVID patient. Not one of them actually died of COVID. But as you dig into it, yes, Minnesota has 2,400 deaths. And of them, the number under the age of 60, almost zero. Of the ones that have died, comorbidity factor over 2.6. So actually, when you totally so look we go, at So it, we go back to my father who, who the death couldn't be blamed on asbestosis because the asbestosis caused the brain tumor, which actually killed him. And this is the thing, but, but this is the thing, the, these figures, let's go back to and throw all of them out the door because for, for sure. myself, I don't watch mainstream news. I don't watch all of these things. I don't watch conspiracy theories. I don't yeah. look at those figures. What I do is I go on my own natural instinct and my own natural level of self-care. My self-care is, yeah. is what I do. And, so do you wear a mask, Angie? Do you wear a mask? No, we don't wear them here now because um, there has been no cases here for something like three months. Hmm. But you well, did in the beginning. Absolutely. So how do you the explain what did. was happening, Jared? If like, do you think that it was just coincidence that everybody wore the mask and like it went away? Like, actually, like, no. If I if I could start sending you the graphs and charts, the the rise and fall of this, the time masks were mandated, yeah. they were not. If you look at also the morbidity factor in Sweden. Oh, you're talking about America, not not Canberra or not New Zealand uh, or. Well, I'm, no, talking, I'm looking no, at Australia. Don't have it anymore. No, but, but like if you, well, if you look, there's worldwide statistics on it. But then if you take, for instance, like regions like Sweden, Nor Norway, uh, Netherlands and Holland and, the, 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 you know, those areas, uh, Sweden did not lock down and their morbidity rate is the same as with masks or without. But then if we have the discussion of when masks are mandated versus whether or not there was any correlation between a rise and fall, there mm. aren't. And, and here's the other thing. If you and I were firemen wearing clothes, you're wearing clothes. Uh, but firemen wear very heavy asbestos and special material to go into a fire because it could be thousand, you know, it could be 2000 degrees and firemen wear special protection to go into a fire it's only in the world of this sci-fi novel that we say the word mask like it has a magical property we're not talking p100 respirators with a 0.1 0.2 0.3 0.4 0.5 
0.0 micron filtration, we're talking mask. And the mask helped because I have a screen door. The smoke won't come in. Well, the smoke's still going to come in. So uh, the argument has been, well, people don't die of AIDS. People die of pneumonia. So did they die of AIDS or did they die of pneumonia? So the That's argument that asbestos, yeah, uh, you get another disease and you die of it. But the thing is, the actual death rate of no comorbidities, Germany's comorbidity factor for uh, this disease, irrelevant to lockdown. We're talking about trying to contain a version of the cold that based on the World Health Organization, go look at the statistics, and the CDC and Germany has a, a survival rate irrelevant to comorbidity of about 99.6%. So when people are like, well, uh, 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 well, people have died. Well, well, yeah, 88 or whatever the number is now, 8,900 in Germany, 9,600 in the United States. And this is so by disposable? our governments. These are, these are by our governments. The percentage of your population is disposable. Is that what you're saying? Like, like this argument to me is kind of a moot point to me because it, it's really a non, non-thing. It's like, it's, it's well, but the government, since this, so this is the problem, this is the problem. I'm giving the actual statistics. The problem is, is that by three months ago, 500 doctors in San Francisco said enough of this. More people have officially died in our city annually from suicide now because of this and not getting treatments. I think we had our first case of someone dying of cancer because they didn't go in for their normal checkup. The reality is, is that the amount of impact, it's not funny to keep people home and the entire world screwed up over a disease that by, by the actual statistics, which should matter to everyone, is not as deadly as it has been. Uh, like right now, England's locked down again. And they literally said they had 200 deaths. They expected 4,000 a day. Someone has to get on and talk about that and say, well, of those 200 deaths, how many were influenza? How many were the flu? No one's looking at other diseases right now. It's as if no one dies of anything but COVID, and that's not okay. It's not okay for all of us to be locked down and suicides and doctors not treating their patients and people not going in for breast cancer and every other kind of cancer treatments and checkups. This is not okay right now because people are not just dying of COVID and they're not dying by the way, look up swine flu and look up the pandemic of 68 and 69. The Hong Kong flu killed over a million three, yeah. a million four. Yeah. This is well, I, agree with, I agree with that. But, but, you know, even if you do take care with things like that. So, so say, for example, here, um, even still when you go to a medical center, um, like I go for oncology, um, you go in there and you wash your hands there. Um, it, it goes down to a lockdown stage. And they are, they're only allowed to sit so many people in, in different areas. It's all marked where you can sit. So they just take care of things. Whereas you just find in Australia, in America, there seems to be all those Karens and things that are out there climbing on people and, you know, people joining. So I, I don't think that we're ever going to get to the right answer of that. Melbourne is opening up again now and they have no cases and, and their care is just for people. And yes, obviously people with illnesses and, and old age and, things like that, that are, are more prone to uh, get sick, like people with cancer, um, they are going to be more um, more open to to greater harm from, from catching this virus. And that's where the level of care is here, right? Is to keep so, those people safe. So, so here it's not about you. It's about who you could infect. You could infect someone's baby that just, you know, has brain cancer. Or you could infect somebody's mother. And, and that's where our care is. Our care is, is beyond the self. Our care is beyond the NAS. 
So does everybody still squeeze the avocados when they go to the grocery store? Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you wash every one of them? Absolutely. Everybody washes their, their stuff when it comes home. I, I, I think it with that vinegar the- and all those sorts of things. But it doesn't really matter. Like, like this is, you know, we could, we could go on about this for days. To, 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 well, me, yeah. to me, it's just take, take personal care. Right. And well, my overall point is that if we look at the disease, the reality is that it didn't turn out to be what they said. And we could probably all go back to normal and relax a little bit. Whatever. But yeah, but that's the thing a miracle takes. What is this? Don't make them in there. Like down here in Alabama, like we never really shut down. And and, and people have just pretty much continued to to do. The only thing that changed was like the the stores had shorter hours. Which obviously, you know, I don't even know what the point was of that. And and our cases, though, here, at least in my county, are relatively low. Yeah, and, Georgia and, and you and a number of states never shut down, right? Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and like I said, I had it in January. You know, and I, got, I mean, I got sick, but I wasn't deathly sick. Um, Pepper had it. He's not too far from, from where I live. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had like a sore throat and stuff, and then it went away. Um, you, you know, I mean, I, I, I do think it, it, we need better data and it's something that needs to be questioned. Yeah. There's lots of things along those yeah. lines, like in Norway, when those people got off that plane and, and they traced each or they followed each of the strains from those people going out and something like from one plane and six people infected, I think it was, they ended up with 20 different strains of it. So it, it is evolving or something. So, so to me, it's like, I don't know. I'll take care of myself. I'm ready to go when he's ready to take and me. And once you good. have, once you have it, you're immune to it pretty much. Like I've, I think I may have had it a second time, but it was real mild. Mm. Yeah. I think Jared is questioning whether this is even actually a thing. Oh, you're just starting fights. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I, I just I'm trying to keep it up. Ninety-one I, I like episode. Just, I, I just stir the water and see what riffles. No, away. it's a thing. Look, man. It's well, this disease. is the thing I don't understand about it. Like, if it is just a version of the flu or whatever, like, why is it? There are people that get this thing and like really struggle with their lungs and really it seems that they have a slow recovery time, which tells me it is something different than what we're used to. The question is, what is that difference? Have we learned anything about it? And I guess, Jared, you might be arguing Uh like... What's the advantage? No, I of think I think people are. I think there's a lot of researchers. I I know some of them, and they are there. There isn't. We don't have all the answers on it, but mm. we do That's have enough data set now to know that it's not as deadly as they thought. And mm. the reality is that now some people, just like influenza, we have no cure. And I don't think people remember that in 2017, uh, it was a really bad flu season. It was over 66,000 dead, but we didn't lock down. We have yeah. no cure, folks. There's, oh, well, I get a flu shot. I don't. And the fact is, is that a lot of people don't. But, but the reality is, is that 66,000 people just died in 2017 of the flu. You just need to be smart about numbers and say, how deadly is this disease now? Because it, it's a version of the flu. And is it really more the influenza mixed with this that's killing them? We don't know. Let's, well, we're eventually going to figure it out. But right exactly. now, there, 
but until then, I want to be safe. Yeah. But I don't think living in fear is the right thing to do. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. So we don't live in fear here. We live in care. Oh, no, I'm not referring to Australia or anywhere. I just think that when we look at it and people who I think that whatever the thing is behind this where you're saying, oh, hey, look, well, I might infect this friend of mine. Well, I think it should be pretty well-known news that this is what the who just said, that the morbidity factor on this is less than a percent. And of that percentage, the majority are over 60. And of that percentage, they have three other diseases. And of that percentage, that's a small percentage of the people that shouldn't be locked down and should still be going places. And, I'm, and, and I just don't think that everyone's washing every tomato they're squeezing and they're walking through a store where we are all connected in a world where something goes from a factory where the average Walmart has tens of thousands of millions of products that have all come from all over the world. The idea that we're isolated is ludicrous. You're not eating off your own farm. So don't quote me on it, but I, but I think didn't New Zealand recently have a spade and they actually think it came from some frozen food that came in from overseas. Totally wouldn't be so. No, unfortunately, we do not get a lot. I'm going to say it. I'm going to out us. We do not get a lot of news from New Zealand unless it has to do with the Shire. Okay. It's terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think they had that. And then that was an eye opener. It's like, okay, so then does imported frozen food, you know, meat issues? That's interesting. That's interesting. That's very interesting. But I think it's. I'm not sure, but I remember. I just think. I remember they were questioning if that's where it came from. It was the only yeah. thing they could find with the person. And I think it's important for us to one, not be just be strong and not be afraid, but we should know what we don't need to be afraid of. And also yeah. like exactly. Gary's point, not every American state shut down. Sweden did not shut down. Iceland did not shut down. We have the mysterious, nobody talks about it, aircraft carrier in the United States that is a floating city that a few hundred people got sick, a couple of people died. And if you treat that as an independent city, the statistics from Germany Sweden to where we are to Georgia and Alabama and states that didn't close show and the review by the CDC, which pissed everyone off because it shows the morbidity rate is less than a half a percent. And that is upsetting because a lot of people have lost their businesses. People have committed suicide. We have Mm -hmm. undiagnosed and apparently cured half of some diseases. And none of this is true. And yet we're all sitting here trying to do the right thing. And I think it would help a lot of people discern better truths for themselves if they were just given the facts. And, and, and wouldn't it be crazy if a politician actually stood up and said, we're really sorry we got this wrong and it's okay to go to a, a movie right now. And it's okay. Yeah. To go that'd to be bar. amazing. Yeah. It would be, yeah. it'd be, it'd be great. And yeah. I think it's uh, disingenuous to the human spirit to perpetuate uh, such a complex. Yes. There's a disease it's a new one. And one of the, th- okay, fine. I'll, I'll end it. I'll, I'll end it more on a happy note for me. Uh, Michael, <laughs> Michael Cremo in forbidden archeology span points out that there's approximately 5,000 species of things found every year. Mm. This, so for the last 40 years, we find bacteria, viruses, fish, uh, animals, birds, you name it. 5,000 species are discovered. So for a planet that's dying, we don't even know what the hell's on it and what, what, what's, what there is. Mm. So the reality is, is that whether it's COVID and whether it's something that transmutes, like that's the point, immunologists, virologists, we haven't even touched, we could talk forever about the ones that are saying how ridiculous our phys- our, the methodologies mm. we've been using are not actually the way our gut immunity 
works, but that's a whole yeah. other rabbit hole. But what are we doing with these 5,000 species, including viruses and bacteria that are found every year, let alone the ones that mutate? And every scientist that thinks it's a great idea to get a core sample out of the Arctic and go, I'm going to research this ancient virus and bacteria. Great idea. The plague of 20 million years ago. Good Absolutely. job, guys. Wow. Okay, let me, let, me, let me finish that one on this note for a good movie idea. Imagine <laughs> if they discovered that the virus was passed on by emotions. Oh, wow. Everyone you know would what? be dead. Yeah. That is, so, that so, was kind so of So everybody in the world cannot get depressed or they'll get the virus. That would be cool. Oh, that means or, it'd be only or, sociopaths. Yeah, or it's right? not even about depression. <laughs> it's about the way people relate to their emotions is what's called. Yeah. Because some people, I mean, that's what people are thinking are happening. Like this is people say that Trump is like a representation of the unconscious shadow that is like manifested as reality. Like I think if people had a better relationship to their emotions globally, <sighs> maybe we would rid the world of a lot of things, even beyond Absolutely. just diseases. So there'd be an ad of me there with, with someone coming for therapy and I'd say, you know, you're standing in a pond of shit, right? So this is where, Greg, you have to pick it up because I have to check out from this birthday party of not 100 episodes, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I got to go to bed. because no, I was going to say, I am uh, like very tired. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, interviewing, I I'm, I'm interviewing Jared again in a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'll, I'll, I'll cut this off with that, with that final thing of... Of no, Gary, this was fun, man. Hey, look, thank you for having me on your show. Thanks for coming on my Thanks show and bringing all the podcasters together. Um, yeah, man, I, I hope you you're gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna keep doing it. Jared and Angie are gonna keep doing it. Um, definitely gonna have. Jared I'm gonna walk some dogs on my show now. <laughs> Jared, you're coming on my show at some point for okay, sure. Okay, yeah, yeah, well, for sure. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, Jared, I'm, Jared, I'll I'll do it like eating food and listening. Yeah. Oh, well, that, or we can talk to Angie. We should, uh, you, you guys got yes. my email in that, uh, that group yeah, thing that you sent out, Gary, right? Yeah. yeah hey, does that. anyone want to do my movie ready thingy with me? I'm in, dude. I'm in. Oh, I want to read it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll send it to you guys. Have a read. Now, listen, the first version is what they gave me. And the second version is once I went to Hollywood, they're like, okay, that's just a really fucked up ending. You can't end it like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. no, no, so I want then it. I had to put the Hollywood. So there'll be one version of, of what, came from up there and then one Hollywood version. Amazing. Amazing. And then you can tell me if you like it or not. If you want to always fun to hang out with you guys. (laughs) Nice to meet you, Jared. Gary. Yeah. Congrats. It was nice being uh, thanks for having me. Congrats on ninety one. (laughs) Ninety (laughs) one. The big ninety one. Yeah. All right. Can't wait till you do a hundred, Gary. Bye. Yeah, I'll do this again (laughs) in a couple weeks. (laughs) Great. See you later. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. 
It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.